good to be with you on a Sunday night, and uh, I really believe the Lord has something amazing for each one of us. Uh, how many know that each one of us are called and chosen by God? Come on. If you want to know what God is doing next, look in the mirror. If you want to know who God's using next, look in the mirror. If you want to know where the next revival is, the next move of God, the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just look in the mirror, point your finger at yourself, and just say, I am the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Then you just got your personal prophecy. We can all go home. It's amazing. Uh, and, and Come on, I believe that this is a season of knowing who you are, whose you are, It's a season of knowing who you are and whose you are so that you can know what you are. How many know that we're not black or we're white, we're just his? I know it doesn't matter what we look like on the outside, on the inside, we're, we're just his. And I believe that the Lord really is releasing the treasure chest of heaven in this room. Now I believe tonight as I speak, as I prophesy, that something is changing in the atmosphere over Dallas, over Texas, over your life, over your family, that tonight there's a quickening. This morning I was talking acceleration. You heard the word again, acceleration. There is a quickening. There's a hastening. There is something that is catching up to us. Some of you right now, in order to step into your new day, you got to let go of the old day. Some of you, you keep looking in the rearview mirror about what's about to catch up to you. You gotta, you gotta stop looking at it in fear because here's what's following you. Surely goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm telling you right now, some of you need to just take a quick look and say, Goodness and mercy are following me. Come on. Come on. His goodness, his mercy, his grace, it's all following me. It's a byproduct of my walk with him. And I believe that God is releasing a couple of things tonight. He's releasing you into inheritance. He's releasing you into inheritance. The inheritance of heaven, the overflow of heaven, the blessings of the Father's house, the the blessing of the treasure chest of heaven, He's pouring out on you. It's inheritance. He's giving you access to His excess. Those things are amazing. But it's also a season of intervention. That God is about to intervene in our affairs. He's about to intervene in our business. He's about to intervene in our families. And I believe the Lord has anointed this city to destroy demons of dysfunction. If you don't talk back to me tonight, I'll go home. I said tonight. Listen, I've been prophesying since 5 o'clock this morning after I prophesied till midnight last night. I'm just waking up. If you fall asleep, I'll come and preach next next to you and I'll scream real loud. Hear me. This city, the church in this city, the people of God in this room, you've been anointed to destroy demons of dysfunction. I believe there are five major dysfunctions in the earth. There are five major dysfunctions in the earth, five major dysfunctions in the church. Jesus never identified a problem without pointing you to the solution. So I'm not just going to tell you the problem because you don't need to be prophetic to know there's problems. Are you hearing me? 
But you do need to be prophetic to hear the answer, to hear the solution to them. Five major dysfunctions of the earth. Number one, unfathered. Number two, uncorrected. Number three, unfruitful. Number four, untaught. And number five, unhealed. It's that way to society. I can tie just about any epidemic. I can tie just about any dysfunction happening in society back to one of those five things. And I could do it in the same way in the church. And we're living in a fatherless society. We're living in a time and in a season. I remember on August 31st, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. Four o'clock in the morning, the Lord just began to rattle my cage. He wakes me up, and I hear, uh, I hear the voice of an angel start screaming out, Where are the fathers? Where are the fathers? Where are the fathers? And I believe that the Lord, listen, that God is releasing the anointing of the Father It's a season of finding father. It's a season where the father is coming home. How many know that this is father's house? It's a storehouse. but And if you remove the father, guess what you do? You remove protection and you remove provision. And God is restoring fathers. Not being gender biased. I believe really the answer to the fatherless epidemic is apostolic fathers and mothers rising up in the earth. You and me saying, you know what, we are, we are not going to wait for somebody else to be a solution. But I'm going to become everything I never had but always wanted. I grew up fatherless and I love my, my, my favorite thing in the world to be called is dad. Sometimes they call me El Shaddad. The problem with El Shaddai is he runs out, but El Shaddai never does. But I learned some of my most valuable lessons from my kids. Two years ago, a year and a half ago, well, it was almost two years ago, in January of 2012, I was working in my office doing my year-end things, and my two oldest boys, Ben and Caleb, came in, and they said, Hey, Dad, we want to go throw the football. And I said, Well, I'm kind of busy. i got to fin- finish this up maybe later. And... They walked away disappointed, and I remember the Lord said, look at the clock, and I did. It was 444, and the Lord said, you might as well go throw the ball because you'll never have this moment again. You will never have this moment again. So I went out. I was throwing the ball, and they started asking me prophetic questions. Dad, how many times did you throw the football with your, with your dad? I, I said, I never threw the football with my dad. I said, how many times did you throw the baseball with your dad? I said, I threw the baseball with my dad one time, and I overthrew it, and the ball went into the weeds, and he got mad, threw the glove down. It rained that night, and it, uh, it ruined the glove, and he blamed me, and he never threw the ball with me again. How many times did your dad take you fishing? I, I said, my dad never took me fishing. And then he said these words that make everything I've ever walked through in my life worth it. He said, Dad, thanks for becoming everything you never had but always wanted. And a lot of times in the church, we're waiting for the answer to come from without. When really the Lord has provided the solution from within. And I believe there's been this emasculation, this demasculation of men in church. But God is about to release the warrior. He's about to release the father. He's about to release men who aren't afraid to be openly intimate with God. Who aren't afraid to be openly transparent with the people who won't just pastor you, but who will father you.
Here's the important thing about fathers. Wherever there's a father, failure is never final. Failure is never final where there's a father. And I believe that the Lord is raising up. God wants Dallas, Texas to be an apostolic city. He wants this place to be a place that, that, that would embrace sons and daughters of destiny. Come on, there's great heritage here. I know that there's uh, all of the seminaries and all of those things here. But can I tell you something? There is an awakening coming. There are fathers that are coming to the forefront. There are mothers that are waking up and beginning to realize that a woman could be an apostle. A woman could be a prophet. A woman could be a pastor. A, a woman could be an evangelist. A woman could be a teacher. The anointing isn't gender biased. Hello? Just look through the Bible. You'll find God using women all the time. Especially when the men were. <laughs> and I'm just here to tell you right now, there's something that is rising. There, there is a Holy Spirit parenthood rising. Second thing is, if we've been uncorrected, the answer to that is true prophets. Prophets who don't just give you pretty prophecies but prophets who point you to Jesus. If a prophet and his gift point you, direct you to him, he's, he's in trouble. If you just remember David Wagner, he was handsome and humble and gave me an amazing word. I didn't do my job. I didn't come here to give you a Barney prophecy. I love you, you love me, another Barney prophecy. I didn't come here to say I'm okay, you're okay. And they come here to be like two prophets walking down the street, one saying to the other, you're fine, how am I? <laughs> Some of you got that? Because you said it's funny you're getting a great prophecy tonight. Uh, and, and <laughs> but, but here's what I've discovered in my world, in my prophetic world. Prophets have really stopped prophesying. A lot of prophets that used to be prophesying, declaring over churches and cities and nations and giving personal words to people, they, they, they began to back away from it. Why? Because it's not easy. And if you want to be a prophet, you might as well prepare to be rejected. If you want to be a prophet, you might as well prepare to be unpopular. Because we weren't just anointed to say the good things or the easy things, but we're also anointed to say the hard things. And here's the problem. We live in a society that says nobody's going to tell me what to do. And so you like me as long as I'm saying you're getting a new car and a new house and, and your, your holy hotties coming to you in the next year. Seven guys just received. I'll receive it right now. I don't care if he's joking or not. I'm receiving it right now in the atmosphere. I felt that. Oh, it bore witness with my flesh. I'm taking a hold of it. I don't see anybody moving toward these boxes. Oh, it gets better. But the moment somebody starts saying, hey, you need to change the way you talk to your wife. 
or you need to come into alignment with this and you need to stop being rebellious and ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do because instead of letting the prophets empower you you want the church to entitle you and we've exchanged the spirit of empowerment for this spirit of entitlement so instead of being empowered to overcome empowered to gain wealth empowered to do things we, we start having a welfare mentality and start thinking the church is here for us. How many know what I'm talking about? But the way I see it, in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He speaks it first to His servants or His friends the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? In other words, when we begin to prophesy, the fear of the Lord begins to come into the house of God. And if it comes in the house of God, it's going to come in the earth. What's missing from the earth today? What's missing from most church services today? It's the fear of the Lord. The church has settled for casual encounters. I got a word for Dallas. Stop having Holy Spirit ministry one night stands. Jesus doesn't want a girlfriend. Jesus ain't interested in a mistress. He's coming for a bride. We got to stop dating Jesus. We got to stop dating the church. We got to stop living in worship pornography. You know what worship pornography is? You watch other people being intimate with God, but you don't pay the price for intimacy. Yet somehow you get off. Somehow you feel, I got touched by God. But you didn't pay the price to enter in. You want a Holy Spirit tickle instead of a true God change transformation. You can't encounter God without being changed. See, I have to live it, otherwise God can kill me any moment. You can stone me. I pray a dangerous prayer every day. I prayed it again today before I left my hotel room. The prayer is this, God change me or kill me. I don't want to live this I don't want to live tonight like I lived this morning. I don't want to live today like I lived yesterday. Cuz here's the secret, God will either change people or he will change people. God will change people or he will change people. Well, what happened to the nice prophet from this morning? Oh, don't worry, he's coming back. <laughs> I, got, I got an assignment. It's not just in this room. I'm speaking to something in the region. Come on, right now. A religious spirit's coming down over Dallas, Texas. A religious spirit, a religious political spirit's coming down over Dallas, Texas. And true freedom's going to come. Prophets are getting ready to be released out of this place like never before. There is a voice that's going to release the vibration of God. And what's it going to do? It's going to release alignment. Come on, I'm here right now. Because I'm telling you that the, the spirit of fear and death that's trying to get on Dallas, God's breaking it off. God sent me here to speak to it and break it off. 
that Leviathan spirit, that thing that just kind of hangs out, getting people to cower down in fear. Can I tell you something? People are saying, what, well, what about ISIS? I said, I ain't worried about ISIS and I ain't worried about crisis. Because <laughs> if I'm in Christ, I'm not in crisis. And before ISIS was, I am. Not saying that I'm not wise to the, the enemy's tactics, but they're the same. Fear, deception, lies in the head, issues in the heart. Come on, don't let the devil put lies in your head and create issues in your heart. God's uprooting those things right now. Uncorrected. Can I tell you something? I don't know why we fear correction. You know what, for me, I'll be honest with you, growing up, even up to about three years ago, to me, correction was rejection. Excuse you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you want to hear a funny story? I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church, right? We had wooden pews. And my stepdad, Tom Hookstra, I just said his name, but he don't have internet, so he don't care. <laughs> Besides the fact he's 80 and really don't care. He let one rip, y'all. It vibrated the bench. He didn't, even, he didn't even smile, laugh. He turned around and looked at George Van Damme behind him. <laughs> he didn't claim it. He just blamed it. He just went... Now, that was just the cheer. Sure. No, no, it really was. Come back, Holy Spirit. Come back. Come on. If you're not having fun in church, you're not doing church right. But I don't know if I like him good. Tracy's back next Sunday. I'll bring the hurt. She can bring the healing. Just kidding. But to me, correction was rejection. Because my whole life, it meant that I wouldn't get enough and I got pushed away. Why? It hit my rejection issues. My pastor would say that was good, but it was too long. All I could hear was, I didn't hear the it was good part. I heard it was too long. And so all of these things would just start brewing on the inside of me. And then I, I studied it out. The Lord chastises those he loves. And when I realized what chastised meant, it was never to push away, but it was to draw close. I never fear correction again. Because God loves me enough to draw me close. And God's raising up true prophets. Some of them are in this room tonight. Eagle prophets, not chicken prophets. But I'm telling you right now, God's causing there to be a divine alignment, correction coming to Dallas. He's calling the church back to pray. He's calling the church to align itself. Are you hearing me? Third is the unfruitful. Third dysfunction is unfruitful. And the answer to the unfruitful, it's listen, there's a difference between being busy and being productive. Last end of last year, preached on six continents, sometimes multiple times. Led a revival for a few months in Holland. I 
one, 10,000 people of the Lord somewhere in there, saw every kind of healing and miracle, gave motorcycles away to missionaries. I, my, my, my resume and my newsletter was beaming. I'm kind of relishing in it, talking to the Lord how good he is and how good I am for him. And he said, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good year. You were real busy. Next time, maybe you, next year you'd be productive. And I realized sometimes I was sent and sometimes I just went. And when I, when I was sent, God moved, showed up. And when I went, he still moved and showed up out of mercy, but it wasn't as good. When I was sent, I came home refreshed. When I just went, I was beat up tired. And what happened is this, why the church has become unfruitful, is that we have, we've basically limited and demoted the evangelist to evangelize the church. We've made the, church, we've made the evangelist the church entertainer. He's the guy that comes in for three nights of meetings, gives us three points in a poem, sweats, throws his rags at us, right? He, he does the miracles, he does the healing, he, he puts on the show. The end of three days, he goes on to the next place. But how many know his job is to equip you to win the lost? You want to frustrate an evangelist, keep him around church people. Why? He just wants to keep winning people. I have a friend in Tulsa, Oklahoma, blew up his church. He's an evangelist, not a pastor. Guy's wild, named Pat Fryer. I love the guy. He, uh, He's an evangelist. He, he got radically saved with a shotgun in his mouth. Similar story to mine. I, I've been with the guy. We were on an airplane, uh, Avianca Airlines, going from uh, Venezuela to Colombia. And we got upgraded because the ladies that had our seat, they didn't want to be upgraded. They let us have the seats. So he's sitting in 1B. I'm sitting in 4B. And we're in flight. And all of a sudden, I hear my friend going, and I'm looking, I'm looking in the aisle, and his foot's going. I know he's getting something. He starts going, anybody speak English up in here? Say habla inglés. And the lady next to him is like, I speak English. <laughs> so he said, ask the guy over here what's wrong with his arm. And the guy said, well, I got nerve damage. I can't close my hands. I'm a soap opera star. I do my own stunts. I went through a plate glass window, and I severed the nerves. So he said, ask him if he believes Jesus can heal him. He said, I, I can't ask him that. I'm an atheist. So he thought for a second. He said, well, I just asked Athos, and he said it's all right to ask him. You got to know this guy. He's just wiry. So she gives in, and she asks him, you believe Jesus can heal you? He said, sure, I'm a Catholico, and... So he reaches across the aisle and said, in the, in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden the guy goes, fuego in mi mano, fuego in mi mano. And God, God just healed his hand. <laughs> Revival broke out in Primera Classe, in, you know, in, in first class. Gives his life to the Lord. The atheist interpreter gives her life to the Lord. I look at the guy next to me in a suit and he gets nervous. <laughs> Lord says, ask him, what's wrong? What's wrong with your uh, wife's heart? He starts weeping. He said, I'm a diplomat from uh, Colombia to Venezuela. I got a call this morning. My wife had a massive heart attack. They need to bring her into surgery right now. I've got to go there. She may not even make it. 
So I said, the Lord said he's going to give her a new heart. By the time you get there, she's going to be sitting up in bed, won't need surgery. So he said, how do you know that? I said, Jesus revealed it to me, gives his life to the Lord. We get to Columbia, we land in Bogota. I said, I'll be praying for your wife. He said, no, you don't understand, you're coming with me. I don't know what it does for you. Guy in a black suit throwing me in a blacked out SUV. Guys with guns in Columbia. Come on, somebody. I'm like, can I get a change of clothes first? We come to the hospital and the doctors are standing in the room and they're shaking their heads. Here's the EKG when you came in. Here's the EKG now. Here's the test now, then. Here's the test now. He said, we can't explain it. God must have done some kind of miracle because you got a brand new heart. Gives her life to the Lord. Doctor gives her life to the Lord. Finally, we go on to the next place. So Pat, he's just this wild guy. He started a roofing company just because he loves Mexican people. I'm not being, no, I'm not being racist. I'm not. He wanted to win Mexicans. God's put Mexicans in his heart. So he starts a roofing company because he wants to give them a good wage and he knows they're good at it. So they're putting on roofs and at lunch he buys them burritos and tacos and, and he starts preaching to them. And one by one these guys get saved. And then instead of caping them to himself, he start, helps starting them up with businesses. And now you got Christian businesses starting all over. So he, he just told me, he just called me, he said, Dave, you'll never believe it. But I got a government job, a government contract, where my profit's going to be $1.4 million. Three years after starting a company. The guy grew up in poverty. The guy grew up hopeless. The guy grew up addicted to meth. And now he's not changing his life, he's changing every life around him. And he's not just waiting for somebody to do something for him. He's breaking off the welfare mentality. He wasn't waiting for them to come to the church. He found a bilingual guy to be a supervisor, so he had opportunity to preach to him. So he blows up his church. Because I helped grow it to 100. Pat took over in 30 days. It was down, he grew it down to 50. <laughs> grow it back up to 100, back down to 50. 150, 150. Shut the back door. He's frustrated. saying, I can't figure it out. Why is it happening like this? And these stupid church people, they don't get it. And, blah, blah, blah. and I go there and I'm watching. And all these dysfunctional people come in. And he's casting out demons and healing the sick. And they get delivered and they get healed. And the next week there's more healing and there's more deliverance. And I said, Lord, what's the issue? Because it looks like the gospel to me. He said, oh, people don't want to live in hospitals. You go to the hospital to get fixed. You go to the hospital to get healed. But then how many know you want to live in a house? He wasn't a pastor. He's an evangelist. And when you have the wrong identification or the wrong definition, you will end, you'll end up in the wrong destination. Are you hearing me? Can you imagine me trying to be a pastor? I mean, I'm pastoral. But ain't nobody got time for that. I like to go in churches, make a mess, and let pastors clean it up. 
doesn't matter if you're a nice prophet or a mean prophet. There's going to be a mess when you leave. That's just the truth. And so I, I said, Pat, nobody wants to live in hospital. So he says, I got an idea. He goes to the church. He said, I'm shutting this thing down. We're going to have church underneath the Oak Street in East Tulsa, underneath, or on, on the, underneath the Oak Tree in the projects in East Tulsa, and that's where our church is going to be. And all the nice people, we just want a family church. We just want to be fed. I was born again here. I like it here. So we had to find another pastor, a pastor to pastor the people that want to be pastored. Pat goes out to the oak tree. He, gives the, he feeds people hot dogs, gives them something to drink. First day, 200 people saved. Next day, 200 people saved. First baptism service, 200 people. Can't barely even get them in. He, he's seeing a project turn around. Why? He's walking in his calling. He's being fruitful. He's not entertaining the church. He's evangelizing the lost. And he's not just evangelizing the lost. He's empowering people to evangelize. How many know the work of evangelism is not just for the evangelist? Paul told Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. It's all, it's all of our job to win the lost. Come on, I'm telling you right now, God wants us to be a soul-saving station. He wants us to be a, a, a life-saving station. Come on, be fruitful. I love working with Heidi Baker because she lives it low and slow. Crusade or outreach things that we do, we, we call it pre-evangelism. The real evangelism goes house to house. The whole deal is low and slow. You don't stand over them and say, I know the Bible, I know Jesus, I'd like to tell you about him. But you get down in the dirt and you sit with them. And you learn about their family. And if you don't get past the first person, you're cool. And if you ask all of these people, they're, they're planting a church every three kilometers, every mile and a half in Mozambique. Somewhere around 10,000 churches right now. Going low and slow. And if you ask them, how many people were one in the outreach? You get a few hands raised. How many people were one at your house? 99% of the people raised their hand. Because somebody took the time to go low and slow. Evangelism is not hard. It's just conversation. Just finding out what do you need. It's not classifying. It's identifying. This is a future family member. Some of you got to stop being busy. And start being productive. Number fourth, untaught. Not in Dallas, but in Pensacola. Most people are Bible illiterate. You've got more churches per capita than anywhere else on the face of the planet. And, and you could say, turn to the book of Hezekiah, and you get 59 people going, uh, uh, uh. I can say that's from Deviticus 13.18. And they'd be like, oh, that's cool. I like that scripture. My favorite scripture, Deviticus 13.18. <laughs> I just made it up. And nobody reads their Bible except Sunday morning. And they don't even read their Bible. They, somebody put it up on a screen. And they're untaught. And teachers have just become, here's my CD series, here's my newest book. And you get information without revelation, you're going to be in frustration. Because you can know something intellectually but never have it work for you. A teacher doesn't just give you the Word, he gives you the Word and the Spirit. 
They don't conflict. They go together. Some of you, you're real teachers in here. And you thought it was a lesser gift. Somebody demeaned it and made it, made it Sunday school. Can I tell you something? God wants to resurrect the teacher anointing. What we've done is we've gone, man, the apostle, that's the top dog. That's number one. Maybe one day I could grow up and I could be an apostle. How many of you cannot make yourself an apostle? Even if you could, why would you want to be one? Paul said, we apostles are the scum of the earth. You know what apostles do? They lay foundation. Everybody else builds on it and nobody remembers them. It's true. Then you hear people, I really, I wish I was a prophet. Oh, no, you don't. Because people will misquote you. They will call you things. I just had in the last couple of months, somebody took out a, a, a false obituary on me. True. In Holland. False prophet of the Holland Revival, David Wagner, did. Thank you very much. I love you too. It's not easy. I didn't choose this. It chose me. Everything, okay, if I can't be an apostle or a prophet, maybe I'll be an evangelist. Because at least I see some healings and miracles. Well, if you're not bearing fruit, you should cut it at the root. Then we think, well, after him is probably the poor little teacher. Listen, can I tell you something? If you walk in the government of God, if you walk in these fivefold gifting, there's an anointing to destroy dysfunction. And the fifth one is the office of the pastor. It heals the unhealed. It makes the church whole so the church can be whole. What I love about true pastors is this. Pastors should smell like sheep. I never met a shepherd who didn't smell like the sheep. And I'm just telling you right now that God is redefining. He's redefining things. He's breaking off dysfunction and releasing divine function all over Dallas. Come on, I'm declaring some things. I'm speaking some things into the atmosphere. I'm calling things to come into alignment. Because unless the government of God is in place, you won't have the infrastructure to do what God's called you to do. Here's what I'm believing for in the next couple of years. I'm believing this to be a city of our God. I'm believing for a citywide move of the Holy Spirit where 10 million people can come to Jesus. Come on, how many know there's a, a growth explosion happening and getting ready to come again? That's why the Saudis begin to expand your toll road system. Because there's going to be an influx of Muslims. And they're thinking they're coming here for oil. They're coming here for salvation. They think they're coming here for oil. They think they're coming for business. And they are. God's setting them up. But if you put your head in the sand and say, they, everybody's against me, you better look again. God's putting your harvest right in front of your face. It's going to be a Chinese explosion, an Arab explosion. And you are, right now, you're positioned to receive it. This is an international city. 
Why are people... God's moving people here. He's moving people in. Why? He's about to release a Holy Spirit Texas tornado. <laughs> Clear things out. Set things up. Drop things down in a whole new location. Come on, I'm telling you right now. I'm not just talking, I'm prophesying. If you don't like it, you never have to have me back. It's all right. I'm saying right now that God is releasing divine alignment. Dysfunctions breaking off, divine functions coming. Come on right now, in this next move of God, you want to be accelerated in God, you want to be quickened in God, you want to step into it. I'm just going to give this to you real quick. It's a season to stay filled up. Don't live on empty. Don't live your Christian life like my wife drives my minivan. <laughs> Little yellow light. Three miles past empty. She got faith. How long has it been like that? Oh, three days. Why don't you feel like, oh, I don't like going to the gas station. I don't like touching that pump. I don't want to get gas on me. Why do you think God gave me a husband? No, I just. I know you just raised the dead. Go pump some gas. Say yes, dear. Happy wife, happy life. Ooh, I felt it right now, right? Ooh. Come on, somebody, Shandaramas. Stay filled up. Live saturated. Here's what the Lord wants the storehouse to do to live saturated. Completely full, fully full. Fully full, to, fully full to overflowing. I was in California, flying out to California last September. Flying into L.A., preaching in the inner city, then going on uh, to the central coast. I was then scheduled after that conference to fly back through L.A. and home. I already had upgrades. Uh, I was going to get home at midnight on a Friday night. I was kind of happy about it. And I'm landing in L.A., and the Lord messes with my plans. So, you know, in three days when you leave, I don't want you to fly back through L.A. I want you to fly through San Francisco. I said, but, but Lord, I checked that connection. It's an overnight flight, not get me home at midnight. There's no upgrades to first class. The only seats they have is in cattle class, bathroom class, 36B, up against the bathroom wall in the middle. No doubt going to be between the two biggest guys in the plane. Overnight flight. And so I tried to persuade the Lord. I said, Lord, your servant doesn't liketh. Now, I, I, I made a fatal mistake. I said, God, I don't feel like it. That's what he did. He laughed. He said, I don't care how you feel because your feelings don't care about your future. <laughs> feelings, nothing more than feelings. 
I think we should change it. Healings, nothing more than healing. We call it some lounge lizard worship up in here. Healings. No. Your feelings don't care about your future. They just want to be met right now. I'm tired. I just want to rest. I'm hungry. I just want to eat. Thirsty, I just want to drink. I'm mad. I just want to be glad. I'm sad. I just want to be happy. Frustrated, I just want to feel peace. And I will do whatever it takes to get this dying, nasty stuff right here to feel better. Because flesh man don't care. Don't care about destiny. Your feelings don't care about your future. So I called the airline and said, I need to change my ticket. I can't go back through L.A. i got to go through San Francisco. They said, okay, Mr. Wagner, but why would you want to do that? You're going to lose your upgrade. You're going to be stuck in the last row. It's an overnight flight. It's going to cost you $250. I said, exactly. <laughs> why do you want to do it? I said, because God told me. They said, we're not going to argue with you or God. American Express card number, please. It's great. I, I, I preach the conference. I'm getting ready to go home. I'm having lunch. My, I get a text message and an email. The flight to San Francisco is canceled. I had a na 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 boo boo moment. Na 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 boo boo. What you gonna do now? I call the airline. They say, "Don't worry, Mr. Wagner. We got you set up really good. You're gonna fly to L.A. We got you first class all the way. You're gonna get home tonight instead of tomorrow." And I about rejoicing in my flesh. And the Lord said, tell them if you go to L.A., you got to fly L.A. to San Francisco. Well, I wasn't about to tell them I don't feel like it again. So I tell them, $250 later, I end up in San Francisco. And I am irritated. I am tired. I am hungry. And I, I'm, an, I'm an extrovert. But I want to feel what it's like to be an introvert. And I go into the airline club, and I go to the farthest corner. I want to be left alone. I get a USA Today, which is now a USA Yesterday. I'm reading. I'm looking at the pictures. I'm drinking coffee. And they bring in this woman. They wheel her in in a, in a wheelchair. She's messing with my atmosphere because she is loud. She is talking to everything, everyone, even talking to herself. I start praying in the Spirit. I start praying in the natural. Lord Jesus, don't let her talk to me. Don't let her talk to me. Don't let her talk to me, Jesus. And all of a sudden, I got the newspaper up on my head. She goes, hey, you, behind the newspaper. What have I done? What impardonable sin have I committed? I lower the newspaper this far. She said, are you a man of faith? I started getting the Tulsa twitch. I started getting the Brownsville shake. Little Dallas dance. The Bethel Shababa. I, I, was, I was ready to go. Well, yes, I am. She said, what kind? I said, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. She said, I knew it. There was a bright light coming from behind the newspaper. Thought my mom always did call me Sonny. 
And I heard the Lord say, you are never off duty and your anointing will announce you. So I said, are you a woman of faith? She said, I am. I said, what kind? She said, I'm a Buddhist. And she said, I got this gift. I'm a reader. Can I read you? I said, wow, I'm going to have a reading contest in San Francisco. <laughs> so she's like, you married? I said, good guess. You got two kids. I said, wrong. Three kids, wrong. Four kids, wrong. One kid, wrong. Let me help you out, honey. I got five. Well, three girls and two boys. I said, let me help you out. I got one girl and four boys. That's what we say in the South, right? Bless your little heart. And I said, my turn. What's the issue with you and the spirit of suicide in your family? She said, I'm on my way to New York because we've had seven suicides this year in my family. My nephew just killed himself on Wednesday. The funeral's tomorrow. So she starts crying. I said, what's the issue with you and suicide? She said, well, I was planning on coming back on Sunday and taking my life because I was hoping that the next life would be better. Gave her life to the Lord, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, healed, came up out of the wheelchair in a crown room in, in, a, in the Delta Lounge. I thought I was on empty, but all of a sudden, you, you got to stay filled up. Can I tell you something? You better practice the presence of God. The only way you stay filled up is if you stay connected. Don't disconnect. Stay in a steady stream of the presence of God. My spiritual father, the reason I, was, I, I stayed with him and committed my life and laid down my life with him is because he said these words that I'll never forget. He said, son, I can live without a lot of things, but I refuse to live without the presence of God. And I watched his life, and he'd be talking to me in English and praying in the spirit. Just what I'm doing right now. He prayed without ceasing. And I'm telling you right now, there's a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit right now to stay in that steady stream of the presence of God, and you will never be empty. He did not design us to be poured out and empty for a while and in this drought. There is a steady stream of the presence of God. Paul told Timothy, stay in a steady stream of the presence of God. And God is about to release a steady stream of the presence. He's about to release a steady stream of revelation, a steady stream can I tell you something? The baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't your one-time fill-all, little shabah-bah, little shake. God wants to fill you. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Ghost every day. Come on, He wants to change you every day. He wants to fill you every day. He wants you to live saturated. And God's taking your saturation level to a whole new place. You've got to stay connected. How are you going to stay? You got to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. You need to stay connected to each other. I gave a word this morning. God's shutting the back door. Why? Because you got to bloom where you're planted. And you will never bear fruit if you continually uproot. Come on, Dallas is filled with Holy Ghost hobos. Conference junkies. You got every name, every gift, every anointing coming through. 
The only problem is you never realize the same anointings in you. The same Jesus Christ, the same Holy Ghost in T.D. Jakes is on the inside of you. You may not sweat like him. You may be not able to preach like him. But the same Holy Ghost in you. Why do you want to be an invitation when you can be an original? Same Holy Ghost in Benny, same Holy Ghost in you. You don't even need to get a white suit. It works for him. It wouldn't work for me. I'm fat, remember? She said fat. I saw it spelled P-H-A-T. Pretty hot in Tipton. Actually, when she said it, this is what I heard. This is what Smith Wigglesworth said. I'm ten times bigger on the inside. My capacity is ten times larger on the inside. Same Holy Spirit in Wigglesworth, same Holy Spirit in you. I'm not against conferences. I'm not against soaking. I'm not against getting in the presence. I'm not against getting hands laid on you a thousand, ten thousand. I don't care if a million times. Get all you can, but you better take it to your local church. You better bloom where you're planted. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Come on. Stay connected. You know how those guys preach the way they do, have miracles the way they do? They're connected. Stay in a steady stream right now. There's a fresh baptism. Here's what I saw in the Spirit today. John 151. A ladder from heaven. Angels ascending and descending. Angels ascending and descending in this place. Carrying out the word of the Lord. Stay connected. Number three. Two. I don't know what number it's on. Be committed. Don't be a consumer Christian. Don't be a consumer Christian. If you're a consumer Christian, let the all-consuming fire of God consume you tonight. Here's what I'm talking about. No prophetic prostitution. No ministry mistress. You know what that is? I give you money, you give me ministry, no strings attached. I want the gift, I don't want the relationship. God is breaking off consumerism off the church. No contractual Christians. Well, as long as he preaches and she preaches what I like, I'll keep on coming. Come on, if that's your attitude, just keep on going. These contracts are based on distrust, not on trust. If you're a contract Christian, guess what's happening? You're always looking for the way out. You're always looking for a way you don't got to pay. And God is breaking that contractual consumer thing off of the city of Dallas. 
And here's what he's releasing. Covenant committed Christians. Covenant heart that says, I'm with you no matter what. I was dying of malaria four years ago. Died three times. Had everybody trying to tell me why I got malaria. You don't have enough intercessors. You ain't got the... No, I was just doing what God called me to do, and I got bit by a mosquito. That's why I got malaria. <laughs> don't need your pathetic opinion. I need a prophetic word. And I had a friend. His name is Marios Elenis. He's, he's ministering out of Cyprus now. He's a pastor in Connecticut at the time. And he was a Green Beret in the Cypress Army, and they had this code of honor that no man gets left behind. And he paid his own expense, and he flew down, and he spent a day with me in Pensacola because he heard the Lord said that he's going to give me a visitation. So he came on his own dime, and he sat with me, and I said, dude, why? a phone call would have been good enough. And he said, no, 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 we have, a code of, we have this code of honor, this code of conduct. And this is what it says. When things are going good, I'm your friend, and when things are going bad, that's when I become your best friend. And I wonder what would happen in the body of Christ if we see somebody suffering, instead of talking about them, we start walking it out with them. Instead of saying they failed and they fell and they did the, and they could have done this and I knew it and I saw Listen. If they fell, we all look bad. It's easy to talk. It's harder to walk. Nineteen ninety nine, I was moving towards ministry. My wife and I were just young, a year and a half in the Lord. She had a little girl already, and uh, we were engaged. But we dropped our guard. We fell into sexual sin. I'm telling you all the things you shouldn't be talking about in Bible college. Are you hear me? So she got pregnant, and we couldn't believe it. And I thought oh, my whole ministry is going to be over before it starts and she was working in the preschool and we thought she was going to lose her job and we, we, it couldn't be happening to us it, it, this can't be happening to us and, and we just kept denying had 150 EPT tests but we kept denying how many know you can't hide a baby forever four, four months and finally I had to come clean I went to the pastor's son because I was living with the pastor Pastor son was my friend, so I figured I'd tell him he could tell his dad, and while he's telling his dad, I can pack my bags and go. So I told him, and we wept together, and he said, you got to tell dad. I said, no, that's why I told you. Went home, packed my bags, and, and my pastor came up the stairs after I avoided him all day, knocked on the door, and I faked like I was asleep. He said, Dave, you need to talk to me about something? I said, no. He said, I need to talk to you. And I, so I came downstairs. I told him the whole truth. He said, son, we're going to make it right. You love Molly. She loves you. We're just going to move up your wedding day and all of those things. And I stood up on my wedding day, and I said in front of 250 people, I told them the whole truth, that we fell in sin, but I wasn't marrying her because I fell in sin. I married her because I loved her. The child she was with would never be known as an accident or a problem, but he's a purpose and a promise from God. We're going to name Benjamin, the son of my right hand. And something happened. When I told on myself, the devil had nothing else to say. See, I just don't get why people want to struggle alone. It's the most freeing thing. I was wrong. I was a pervert. I couldn't control my hormones. 
I'm a sinner. And all of a sudden, guess what? Every gossip stopped. Every slander stopped. Every question stopped. It's so freeing. I started making up stuff that I did just to feel better. No, I just get... I didn't commit this in, but just in case I might. I, no, I, 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 but I had the shame button on the inside of me. And shame, guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. And I couldn't deal with the shame, so... A week after my wedding, I snuck in the church at midnight, chicken, put my keys in a resignation letter on my pastor's desk and ran away. They called me, when are you coming back? I said, I'm never coming back. They called and said, you're coming back. I said, never coming back. When you, they would pursue me. They'd find me. I just kept dodging and ducking. Because I never saw an end to Failure. If you heard my story today, my life was filled with failure. This was just another one. One day I was in the Winn-Dixie. How many know God finds me in Winn-Dixie? <laughs> and an elder in the church named Harold Bowling. See, when I came to the church, Harold met me at the door and said, Hey, what's your name? I said, um, My name's David. He said, You know, you're a mighty man of God. God calls you his son. He's called you to go around the world preaching the gospel where we go lives of redemption and change. You ever hear that one before? And that day, I didn't know it, but he made covenant with me. And he made covenant with God that he'd watch out over my destiny. So after I disappeared for about six weeks, Harold was driving one day, saw me pull into the Winn-Dixon parking lot. So he let me get good and inside. Comes up with an empty buggy, finds me by the canned green beans, and pins me in. Said, where you been, mighty man? Said, I've been around. He said, when are you coming back to the house of God? I said, I don't know if I'm ever coming back. He said, oh, yes, you are. I made a covenant with God that I would watch out for your destiny. And you may not believe in yourself, but I believe in you. So here's the deal, son. Church still starts at 10. I recommend you're there by 945, because if you ain't, I'm coming to your house. You don't answer, I'm kicking in the door. You naked, I'm bringing you in your underwear. I showed up at 915. You know what he was? Fully committed to me. And I wonder what would happen if we fully commit. I'll tell you what would happen. You hear a word over my brother's life about the great things he's going to do and how he's going to lead and an awesome pastor that he is and music he's going to write. And all of a sudden there comes a day of doom and gloom and he, he's down in the dumps and he doesn't know if the people love him anymore and the church, oh, this church and thing, I don't know. I, I don't know if I ever am called. And he's doubting the promises of God. But a whole room heard what God said. If you're really committed to him and you love him, you know what you say? I heard what God said, and I ain't going to let you quit. I heard what God said, and this is what he said over your life. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to provoke you with the word of the Lord until you step into the fullness of your destiny and your calling. God wants this church to be a church of the fully committed. He wants Dallas to be a church of covenant committed Christians. Are you hearing me? Next, I want you to know that this, God wants to make Dallas, Texas a command center. A Holy Spirit command center. If I were you, I'd get excited, y'all. A Holy Spirit command center. How many know that Jesus never gave 
invitations and he never made suggestions. He always gave commands. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4, where the word of the king is, there's power. Where the command of the king is, there's power. Here's what you're commanded to do. You're, you're commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second's like under it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took it another step further and says, you love like I've loved you. Give people permission to have an encounter with the love of God. That's the command. The second part of command is Deuteronomy 28. Be absolutely obedient. If you'll be absolutely obedient to whatever God's called you to, can I tell you something? It says, if you do all that I command you to do this day, the blessings of God will overtake you. God wants the storehouse to be overtaken. He wants you to be overtaken. I don't know about you, I'll take that word. Overtaken. The third part of it is why. Can I tell you something? God is raising up prophetic voices in this place. Dallas needs the prophetic voice. Dallas needs the voice crying out in the wilderness. Dallas needs the forerunner saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, prophecy is not a matter of future and fortune. It's not a matter of you getting a little excited about, God said that over me. That's cool. But Proverbs says the power of death and life are in the tongue. Tells me prophecy is a matter of death and life. I'm alive because of prophetic word. That's the, you heard the message this morning. What's on the other side of your obedience? What's on the other side of your prophecy? I was in Punta Fijo, Venezuela, doing a pastor's conference. And none of the pastors wanted to be there. They just didn't want to be the only pastors not there. So I had a room filled, 150 pastors who didn't want to be there. Talking about a lovable crowd. Finally, they started warming up, and the night meetings were great. People were getting saved. And Last night of the meeting, we outgrew the room, so we had to go to this open-air uh, Pedavesa. It's the Venezuelan oil company, uh, their club. So we're in this open-air place, and big problem. To my right is a wedding hall. Behind me, a discotheque. To the other side, a thatch roof bar. And nobody could hear praise and worship because the music and all these other venues were so loud. So the worship team gave up. They introduced me, and... I start trying to preach, but I can't. I can't even hear myself. I have no train of thought. People can't hear me, and I want to quit. Close my Bible. The Lord says, don't stop. So I said, oh, come on. He said, don't stop. You keep going. I started preaching. Right about the time I started preaching good, the Lord said, stop. Speak to the woman on the other side of the wall. She's 26 years old. Her name is Anna Esther, and she just prayed what she thought was her last prayer. One big problem. There was a wall there. I couldn't see what was on the other side. So I had to spell faith, R-I-S-K. I wonder what happened if we were all willing to risk looking really, really foolish to see what God might do. Or who say where I do in L.A., lower Alabama, what God might could do. <laughs> Just heard that in my mother-in-law's voice. That scared me. No, no. <laughs> So I took a risk. I said, Anna Esther, you're 26 years old. You're on the other side of the wall. 
If you can hear me, this is the Lord speaking to you on Esther. You just prayed what you thought was your last prayer. God, if you're real, speak to me. This is the Lord speaking to you. If you can hear me on Esther, come through the wedding. I'm the gringo in the front with the microphone on a stage. I went back to preaching, hoping everybody would forget in case I missed it. Three minutes later, this girl, long black hair, mascara running down her face, came to the front and said, Amana Esther. Pulls a gun out of her purse, puts it down on the altar. She said, I found my husband cheating on me in the discotheque, and I knew he was. I was going to sit in his car, blow my brains out. But before I did, I leaned up against the wall and said, God, if you're real, speak to me. I said, that's when you call me by name. Gives your life to the Lord. At the same time, these guys were making fun of me in the Fat Truth Bar. They were heckling me. They were making fun of me. And all of a sudden, they went from laughing to crying. So they were going to do great bodily harm to the man who made them cry. As they were walking, all of a sudden, they said they hit a wall of fire, and God dropped them to the ground and said, it's not a man, it's the Lord. Had Damascus Road experience. Come crawling to some pastors, told them what happened. And on the platform, they start unloading heroin and cocaine and all kinds of drugs and all kinds of guns and knives. Three most notorious drug dealers in Punta Fijo, Venezuela. But it would have been easier to quit. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. They're on the ground crying to laughing, baptizing the Holy Ghost. To, and all of a sudden, this guy comes from the back row and stands over them, starts weeping. It's his uncle who got saved earlier in the week and got them into the drug business. And he prayed to God, if there's any way you could rescue my nephews, do it. And God was willing to go to extremes. The girl got saved. God restored their marriage today. They're pastoring in Caracas, Venezuela. Three guys are no longer drug dealers and gang members. They're evangelists. Not about future and fortune, about life and death. So if I tell you about success, I should probably tell you about failure. You heard my story. God raised me from the dead after 10 suicide attempts, the last one being successful. God moved me miraculously to Pensacola, Florida, started using me. I was 13 years ago this week, getting ready to be ordained. Back it up a month or two, I was on my way to Chicago to a family reunion. As I was flying there, the Lord said, I'm not sending you home for the family reunion. I want you to give this word to your brother-in-law, Tom Murphy. Talked about secret addictions and talked about uh, how he's living a lie and looked like he was a millionaire, but he was really, really losing everything, going bankrupt. And whole big word about father wounds and kind of freaked me out because that's family. It's easy to prophesy to the church. So I land, and Tom never picked me up before, but he picked me up. And he drove me 20 minutes to my mother's house, and we talked about baseball and football, but we never talked about what God said. Three more times I saw him, talked about football, talked about baseball, but never talked about what God said. Brought me to the airport on Tuesday morning. We talked about the stock market, other things, but never talked about what God said. Got out of his Mercedes. He was the vice president of an Andrew Electric Company, international guy, million dollars, lived in the suburbs, nice car, Mercedes, Armani suits, had everything on the outside. Everything looked good. 
remember hugging him that day and walking into Midway Airport, and I prayed this prayer, God, send somebody else. And the Lord said, you were that somebody else. 9-11 happened, stock markets crashed, his drug addiction and debt really got overwhelming. In October 2001, he sat in that Mercedes in his driveway after coming home from dinner with my niece and my sister, put a gun to his head, pulled the trigger, and killed himself. The night before I was getting ordained, I got the phone call. I knew the blood of a man who probably busted the gates of hell wide open was on my hands because it wasn't convenient and it wasn't comfortable and it wasn't easy. And I can give you all the excuses and listen, I'm not in shame, I'm not in condemnation. I'm freely forgiven. But I often wondered what would happen if I'd have been obedient. What kind of testimony would he have? Would he be in ministry with me today? My first assignment after being an ordained minister was to stand over a casket and preach a funeral for a man that I know that I could have intervened from him going to hell. So if you want to know why I travel 250 days a year, if you want to know why I prophesy as long as I do, if you want to know why I'm preaching really long tonight, it's because to me it's not a matter of convenience, it's a matter of life and death. And there is an urgency that the church has lost The church has lost the urgency. And I hate to tell you, we've lost our cultural relevance. Because while we're fighting each other in this stream and that stream and that church and this church, Tom Murphy's are blowing their brains out. And while I'm saying I'm not comfortable and it's not convenient, and Lord, that's family and you should send somebody else. And the same God that intervened with me sent me to intervene with somebody else. And here's what I believe. Nobody deserves to hear a prophecy twice until everybody's heard it once. Nobody deserves to hear the gospel twice until everybody's heard it once. Come on, I feel the conviction of God in the room. The fear of the Lord's coming right now. I'm going to get nice again, I promise. Give the command, save the life. Holy Spirit command center. I wonder what happened. We start doing some Holy Spirit drive-bys all over Dallas. Lord, I, I release blessing into that house. I speak salvation in that house. Restoration in that house. Salvation in that house. I speak deliverance in that house. Be some Holy Ghost gangsters. Drive-by shoot. I, I wonder what would happen. Why don't we do an experiment? One right now. If you feel condemnation, shake it off. That's not God. But if it's conviction, let the weight of it come. Because while the world waits, we're having another Sunday night meeting. And I love Sunday night meetings. And I love you. And you love me. But it's not Barney prophecy. All right? (laughs) As I close right now, the Lord wants to release courage in this room. God wants to release Holy Spirit guts. Holy Spirit guts are coming in this room like never before. Courage. 
Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many know you're more than a conqueror? Because your Savior conquered death, hell, and the grave. My friend Graham Cook wrote these words. God-conscious spiritual warriors do not allow anything to take their focus off of the Lord. We use bad circumstances as well as good to advance the kingdom. Nothing bothers the enemy more than seeing what he meant for evil being used for the good. The harder he pushes, the more ground he can lose to a warrior. Billy Graham said, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. Zig Ziglar said, fear has two meanings. Either means forget everything and run or face everything and rise. The choice is yours. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you will go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you will put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The Lord is about to release the lion's roar in Dallas. He's about to release the roar and the fear of God. Listen, when you fear Almighty God, you'll never fear Almighty men. Oswald Chambers said, show me a man who fears God, he will fear nothing. Show me a man who fears man, he will fear everything. Every day I have to face two fears. Fear of rejection. And fear of public speaking. Most of you probably wouldn't know that I'm afraid to speak to you tonight. I've overcome it. The very thing that used to hold me back thrust me forward. See, in my life, I was a paranoid schizophrenic. There were days, sometimes weeks, that they would find me curled up in the fetal position in a closet somewhere. They would find me parked in the backseat of a car, hovering for my life, thinking that somebody was going to kill me. I know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to be rejected. I was rejected my whole life. But there comes a day that i got to stop complaining about it, whining about it, and running from it. And realize, God, you're going to turn this thing together for my good. I'm here to tell you right now that every time you step into it, the enemy loses more ground. First time I ever preached, my pastors heard the word of the Lord over my life. We were in northern Canada on an Indian reserve, on a Cree Indian reserve, and an hour before the meeting, my pastor said, you're going to preach tonight. I never preached before. 
afraid of public speaking, fear of rejection. I get up to preach. I mumble for seven minutes, drawing circles on the carpet. Hear the Spirit of the Lord say, and I just handed it off to my pastor, and they looked at each other like, I wonder if we missed it. I don't think he's ever called to preach. And I went home that night deflated and defeated, and I, I said, see, guys, I told you. I can carry your bag. I can mow the lawn. I clean the toilets. I just can't preach. The next night of the meeting, the meeting started. They said, you're going to do it again. And I stood up, and I can't tell you what happened except that the anointing came on me. And I started preaching, and I started prophesying. There were seven people in the room. And this is what I prophesied. This room will not be able to contain those that come to this reserve and give their life to the Lord. He said that this is his reserve and that every household and every soul on this, on this reserve shall be his. And you won't be able to fit in this building. You'll have to go to the council, into the band office to hold your meetings. Seven people. Three months later, I get a phone call. You'll never believe it, David. But we can't fit the people in our building. We're in the band hall. And every home has made a decision for Christ. Everybody who lives on this reserve has made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Talk about getting excited. Talk about getting over your fear. And some of you right now, you need to get over your fear. God has not given you a spirit again to fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, right now, God's coming to break some people out. He's coming to break off dysfunction. He's coming to break off fear. When there's an anointing in this room right now, you're going to be a people of encounters. Encounters with the voice of God. Encounters with the power of God. Encounters with the provision of God. Give, don't give, doesn't matter. There's a portal of provision God's opening up over Dallas. There's a portal of provision that God's opening up over this place tonight. There are angels of generosity at the front. They're hanging out like this because they're voice activated. And as soon as you speak to your seed, they're going to run and carry it out the word of the Lord. One final story because it'll bless you. If it doesn't just pretend like it did. When I died of malaria and plane crash, had a visitation of the Lord, showed me the masses of humanity. One stop was over Dallas, Texas. He said, how are we ever going to win them all? I said, Lord, only you know. He said, we're going to win them all by loving them one at a time. I had this visitation. Two angels came. One had me a set of keys for nations. One had me a set of keys and said, these are for generations. And Jesus handed me a set of keys that said, these unlock supernatural resources for the end time harvest. Whatever you do, don't let anybody steal those keys. At this visitation of the Lord, the Lord asked me the question, why haven't you done everything that I've asked you to do? I said, Lord, I didn't have the team, I didn't have the time, and I didn't have the money. And he said, no more excuses. You didn't have the team, and you didn't have the time, and you didn't have the money because you didn't believe what I said about you. You believe what I say about the churches. You believe what I say about nations. You believe what I say about cities. But you don't believe what I say about you. It was a quick repentance. 
Lord said, if you do what I tell you to do, if you stop trying to figure it out, if you stop trying to make it happen, just do what I tell you to do. There'll never be lack in your house. and You'll never have to say no to going anywhere for the lack of finances. So when he started me in ministry, he gave me three nevers. Never ask how many people, never ask how much to come, and never set a price. And for 13 years, I've lived by it. So I go after my first trip out, after malaria, I, I go to South Dakota, five-day conference. And every time I'm supposed to speak, I get bumped by somebody that has a bigger title, a bigger name. So I'm there for five days, and I'm wondering, Lord, what am I doing here? I'm not preaching. I'm not doing anything. If I don't preach, I don't eat. And I'm fretting, and I'm saying, I've got to go to Venezuela on Monday morning. You won't let me cancel it. I don't have the money for the ticket. And the Lord asked me the question that offended me. Do you trust me? So I said, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll trust you. And he breaks me. And I go to the meeting that night with a better attitude. I still don't preach. I get bumped again. Finally, the meeting's over. I'm excited because I'm going home the next day. As I'm walking out, this 80-year-old lady named Gloria came running up behind me and said, Brother Dave, and I knew I was in trouble because you can't say no to Gloria. <laughs> she said, I know you're leaving tomorrow about 1030, uh, but I've got this group of 22 Baptist intercessors. And it would mean the world to us if you'll meet with us. We'll, we'll meet with you at 430 in the morning if we have to. Said, I'm not that radical. Make it seven. <laughs> so I show up, and there's 22 Baptist faces looking at me. And I'm just talking to them. I'm not even talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm actually staying away from it. I'm talking about Jesus. We're standing here. This is what he'd say. I'm, you know, I'm trying to dumb down things. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, ready or not, here I come. <laughs> Felt him come over the back of me. All of a sudden, 19 of them just started going, The other three looked really relieved because they were Bapticostal. 22 baptized in the Holy Spirit just sitting there. I ministered to them. We get ready to leave, and Gloria comes running up behind and says, Brother Dave, I can't let you go till we bless you. Hands me a check for $5,000. It's what we needed. It was our budget for, for, for the month. Back then, and I, I, said, I said, thank you, Jesus. Baptists know how to hear from God. <laughs> I, I get on the plane. I, I fly home. I'm in a better mood. So the night before Mother's Day, I'm getting ready to take my family out for seafood. We go out to the beach, and we, my, my oldest boy, he likes to eat raw oysters with me. He's a man of God right there. Shandarama, <laughs> shandarama, Heaven on a plate. Mm. Make you speak in tongues right now. Little horseradish, Tabasco, squirt of lemon. And so he downs one, man. He puts it in his mouth and he makes this face like he's going to puke. Thought he had a bad oyster. And all of a sudden he spits out a pearl this size. He makes the face again, spits out another pearl the same size. Matching pearls. So the restaurant gets excited. They call the news. My wife's talking to Siri. She's Googling. How many oysters has a pearl in it? 
And so she finds out one in 200,000 oysters has a pearl in it. Finds out one in a million would have two pearls in it. So the news comes, Channel 3 News. So they don't even let me in the shop. They want to talk to Benjamin, the pearl boy. They say, what happened? He said, well, I was eating an oyster with my daddy, and I put it in my mouth, and I felt something funny. And Jesus gave my mom pearls for Mother's Day. So then all of a sudden, somebody right now, you're just, you're just receiving it right now, aren't you? All of a sudden, he just starts saying, and my daddy is a minister. And he goes all around the world. And he had malaria and he was in the hospital. And this is a sign that Jesus has given my daddy double for his trouble. And it's a sign there's going to be no more lack in our household and he'll never have to say no to going to any nation because we don't have the money. Then they asked the follow-up question. What do you think Jesus is going to do next year? And he said, diamonds. (laughs) Next day we go to church. I'm in a really good mood. <laughs> we get ready to go out to eat, and this couple, Gary and Mary Lynn, come running up behind. They said, we were praying in our house last night, and the Lord asked us in an audible voice, do you trust me? We said, yes. They said, we're three house payments behind, and we're going to go into foreclosure, and the Lord told us to give you this. I put it in my pocket. She said, no, look at it. It's important. $986.63. It's what I need to go to Venezuela the next day. I sign the check over. My pastor puts it on his credit card. I fly out. I, I get to Venezuela. It's the same trip where I speak to Anna Esther on the other side of the wall. After the first meeting, I go to my room. I'm checking my email. There's an email from Mary and Gary, uh, Gary and Mary Lynn. It says, you'll never believe this, but we got a letter and a check from a lawyer from California. They've been looking for us for 10 years. Gary had a grandfather he never knew he had, and he left us everything. It paid off their house, it paid off their car, it paid off, put their kids through Christian education, moved them from business into full-time ministry. They oversee our School of Performing Arts because they encountered the provision of God. And I'm just here to tell you tonight that in the last four years, it's true, I've never said no to any ministry opportunity because I didn't have the money. We started giving motorcycles away. We've given 200 motorcycles away to pastors all over the world. Nice bikes so that they go in the bush. Cambodia, they rescue kids going off of the, uh, in the Cambodia-Thailand line before they get crossed over the border into sex slavery. They rescue them. Pastors are taking them in the bush of Mozambique. And Heidi told me that each motorcycle is producing on the average of 2,000 souls a year. My friend Steve Mayanja, because they're able to go further. Instead of walking, they can reach more villages, touch more people, preach more places. If you understand that what you're a part of is bigger than the part you play. If you understand that, that God will speak to you about everything. And I preached around the world tonight on purpose. Because I came here full. I didn't want to leave till I'm empty.
I go for seven more hours, but your spirit can only receive what your butt can handle. It's true. Some of you checked out. You're like, hmm. Blessed assurance. No. Come on, right now. There's downloads from heaven coming to you. This isn't some canned message. This is a prophetic word to you tonight. God's about to release divine provision. You'll be able to go wherever you need to go. You'll be able to do whatever you need to do. You'll be able to reach whoever you need to reach. You know, I've discovered money's never an issue when money's not an issue. When my wife and I got married, we didn't, we didn't have a pot to cook beans in. I had to Christianize it right there. I, was, I, I read it again. But when... Our first thing we, we pray was, Lord, we want a day where we can give away 90% and live off 10. Every year we just keep moving towards it. We're at 85.15 right now. Out of ministry, everything that goes in, very little overhead. Because we want to keep reaching nations. And there's an impartation coming right now. Jesus said there's coming a day where we would disciple nations in a day. There's coming a day where some of you are going to about to disciple nations in a day. Dallas can be discipled in a day. And I'm just here to tell you right now that God is pulling out all the stops. Here's my prayer. God, do whatever you want to do. Just don't do it without me. I believe God wants Dallas to be revival town. He wants this to be a place where God can come and breathe and equip his people. Send them out around the world. Come on, he wants to destroy demons of dysfunction. He wants to release divine provision. He wants to break off consumerism and contract Christianity. He wants you completely filled up. He wants you committed. He wants you connected. He wants you commanded. And I've been really blessed here today. And I have the great privilege to do this. So just get ready to receive it. Whether you give, don't give. Whether you gave, didn't give. That's what happens when you speak in tongues where you try to speak English. Come on right now. Just receive the prophet's reward. It's increase, it's multiplication, it's blessing, it's provision, it's the gift of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy, it's prophetic words coming to pass. For some of you, it's babies. If you're barren here, I'm telling you right now, God's about to open your womb. Some of you, you feel like it's too old. You're too old. Some of you feel like your time has passed. You're not past time. You're right on time. There's a fifth season in God. It's called due season. Some of you right now, you're overdue. 
Some of you, you were a little premature, but you're coming due. And there's due season coming right now. One of my ladies, 70-year-old widow, living in a retirement community, said, this is not the end of the road for me. Freaked her kids out, packed up, moved to Uganda. You know what she does every day? She rocks babies eight hours a day. 70 years old. 70 years old, just stepping into calling as a missionary. You heard my story about Sixty McKeel this morning. 70 years old, went back to Panama. Ministered there till she died. Amazing. There's no age in the spirit. Your greatest fruit, your greatest moment, your greatest hour is in front of you. Come on, I believe this is a house of prophets. I believe this house is a friend of the prophets. This is a house filled with the prophets' reward. Some of you right now, God wants to move you into a Psalm 126 moment. We were like those who dream. Talk about hung in our harps, hung up our harps. We stopped our singing. We stopped our ministry in the wilderness. But when we picked it up again, they said among the nations, the Lord's been good to them. And we said the Lord's been good to us, and we're glad. It goes on to say, those who sowed with tears will reap with joy. And the reapers will overtake the sowers. And right now there's a reaping anointing coming. It's your time to shine. It's your time to reap. And the Holy Spirit, let the fear of the Lord stay in this place. Let the fear of the Lord drop in this place. Come on, you're going to demonstrate that the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. He makes you wonderful. Come on, right now. God's breaking crazy off the church. He's breaking crazy off the church in Dallas. He don't make you weird. He makes you wonderful. Prophecy doesn't make you weird. He makes you wonderful. Healing doesn't make you weird. He makes you wonderful. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost doesn't make you weird. He makes you wonderful. So what? To the world, you're a freak, but to God, you're unique. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. And right now, I'm just telling you, the power of God's about to explode in this place over the next 52 days. I keep saying it till somebody believes it. Come on, there's coming divine moments. Divine moments. Who's over 60 in this room? Anybody else lying? No, I'm just kidding. If you're over 60, I want you just to come and I want you to face everybody. God wants to put honor on you. You're lying. You ain't no 60. Come on. I won't even check your driver's license. I hope when I'm 60, I look like this. Thanks for the faith. There goes your word. (laughs) 
want you to look at them. Their season's not past. Their season's just starting. And I'm just telling you right now that God is about to release a generational move of the Spirit. I was in Holland a couple months ago, prayed for a 92-year-old cancer guy with stage 4 cancer on the street. You know, my first thing was, I want to make sure the guy's saved. Because it ain't looking too good for you, Bubba. And, I, you know, I pray, Lord, touch him. And faith rose up in me. I prayed God to heal him. And God healed him at 92 years old. I realize you're never too old to be healed. You're never too old to be used. God used my grandma up to 90 when, before she died. Spoke to me 15 minutes before, her, before she died. And I'm just telling you right now that there is this multi-generational move of the Spirit. There's a bridge generation. These guys are the bridge connecting the old to the new. And I'm just telling you right now that everybody talks about it's a Joshua generation. How old was Joshua when he went into the promised land? 80-something. I'm just here to tell you right now that God is about to accelerate and God's about to move forward like never before. Father, I thank you for my brother. I heard the Lord say, my word has been a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And there was a season when you were a man of the word, 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 and then you got a hold of the Spirit. And then you became a man of the word and the Spirit, and the word and the Spirit agreed. And I felt like the Lord said, you never argued it, you just lived it. You never debated it, you just demonstrated it. And brother, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, get ready for miracle mile markers ahead. And I saw the Lord breathing upon the works of your hands. And the Lord says that this is the season to get it done. And I saw the Lord signing off on contracts. I saw the Lord signing off on things that you've been working on for the last three years. And it's like this. If I could get this, Lord, I could be about more and more of your business. And you've been wondering, is this some kind of pipe dream? I wasn't going to talk about the portal of provision until I looked at you. And I saw the Lord pouring out provision over you, no strings attached. There were things that you said, if I could, I would. And the Lord accounted it to you as righteousness. You're stepping into an Abraham moment. You're stepping into a season of Abraham faith. And God's going to take you back in your memory bank. God was faithful there, and God was faithful there, and God was faithful there. And I heard the Lord say, get ready, because there's an anointing of confrontation coming on you. You could have had the deal done, but you didn't compromise. You could have had it done three years ago, but you refused to give up integrity. And because you chose righteousness, because you chose the right way, I allowed it to be a divine delay. 
And Lord, the same word my son gave me, I give to him double for his trouble. When I cried out, where are the fathers in Dallas? The Lord said, there's one. You're going to have impact in India. You're going to see kids that are undone under the presence of God in Uganda. As far as the eye can see. Number of stars in the sky, grains of sand on the seashore. That's how many spiritual children and grandchildren you're going to have. You won't know them, but when they get to you in heaven, they'll say, thanks, granddad. Thanks for sowing into my village. Thanks for building my school. Thanks for building my hospital. And here's what I heard the Lord say. There are, mon- there are monuments in heaven. There are memorials in heaven. That your children and great-grandchildren and grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren, there are memorials of giving. There are memorials of offerings. There are memorials of prayers that they're going to live in. And tonight, when I said intervention and inheritance, for you it's both. Lord, I thank you right now for that touch of God on his heart. Not growing older, growing stronger. Enjoy the next 7,200 years. For 7,200 days. It's 20 years. There may be more after that. I'm just telling you, enjoy these next 7,200 days. These next 20 years will be greater than the last 60. Come on right now. There's an anointing on it. If I were you, I'd receive from him right now. There's wisdom. There's truth. There's integrity. There's character. There's the fear of the Lord. There's that Father's heart in him. You heard the promise of our you. I try to be one of his grandkids right now. Listen, you can, you can listen to all my CDs. YouTube, GodTube, MyTube, YourTube. And you'll find out I'm not some prosperity prophet. I don't say new house, new car, shah-bah-bah. When I hear the word of the Lord, I give it. You know what he's got? Even if he don't have the money, he's got prosperity. Because to prosper means to be happy, holy, healthy, and at peace. With nothing missing and nothing broken.
I'm not in a hurry, sir, because you're worth the time. The Lord says his favorite time with you is about five in the morning. I saw you sitting in your chair, drinking your coffee, reading your word. And you kind of got your morning routine. The Lord says, I love doing life with him. Your ordinary is extraordinary, sir. See, most people look for the big things, but you've been focused on the details. Lord, right now, I saw you on an airplane, smiling and waving. Lord, I thank you right now for upgrades. Not many like you, sir. You're one of a kind. Not many like you, where your word is your word. Handshake's a handshake. Lord says you're going to make up for lost time. You will not have regrets. Even the things you think about with your kids, I should have been home more. I was here, I was in the office. I, was, I heard the Lord say, he's redeeming the time. No woulda, coulda, shoulda. The Lord is evicting the butt brothers. Woulda butt, coulda butt, and shoulda butt. <laughs> Lord, I thank you right now for the tremendous faith, that tenacity, like Abraham had. I received an impartation over the last few days from a man whose father and father-in-law were friends with Smith Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth said, either the Holy Spirit will move me or I'll move the Holy Spirit. That kind of faith's on the inside of you. I said it earlier tonight about myself. All that I carry and more I release to you, you're ten times greater on the inside. But I release that prophetic voice, that prophetic gift in him. Inside. You're going to know when to go and when you're going to say, it's not going to happen today, I ain't wasting my time. No more if not Tuesday than Thursday, if not Thursday than Friday. Lord's about to bring some things to pass and then he's about to bring some things to stay. Lord, right now, all that I carry and more, that I release to him right now for everything that you called him to do, everything you called him to build. Every dream. There's new vision for old dreams. It's not too late. You did not miss your day of visitation. Come on, church. There's a father in Dallas. 
There's a faithful man in Dallas. Fill him up to overflowing. Fresh infilling. Fresh infilling. Fresh infilling. Even when I was saying the hard stuff, this guy just smiled at me. You know what he's thinking? It's about time. All night tonight, I saw you sitting there. And the Lord said to tell you, He will not pass you by. He will not pass you by. He's not looking over you, around you, beyond you. He's looking at you. And I felt like the Lord was getting ready to thrust you like never before. It's like I saw this rocket booster on your back, and I saw you just taking off. The Lord said, I'm going to take you into orbit. I'm going to take you into higher heights. I saw a key ring with seven golden keys. They're wisdom keys. I saw the Lord putting those keys in your hands. The Lord said, I made you with a strong back and a sound mind. You've never been afraid of hard work. You've never been afraid of hard work. And this is a season of evangelism explosion on the inside of you. Lord, let me win with just one more. Every day, Lord, let me win one more. And I feel like the Lord's going to give you a show and tell anointing. He's going to show you the secrets of people's hearts and then you're going to tell them. I heard the Lord say to tell you, you are his friend. That's your legacy, sir. You're a friend of God. You know what the Lord said? He doesn't make me do what he wants to do. He always asks, what do I want to do? And I felt like the Lord was about to rejuvenate you like never before. I felt like this is going to be a season of of joyful, joyful, joyful. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, you're shifting things for him, putting things in place and perspective. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that, Lord, you would activate all of the gifts in him, healings and miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, gift of faith. Lord, right now, activate us. Come on, the gift of faith is coming on you right now. It's not the measure of faith, it's the gift of faith. It's that faith to believe for what God is believing for. 
Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you're going to use him and intervene in the lives of people. Lord, I thank you for his mercy heart. Lord, I thank you for the truth on the inside of him. The Lord just flows out of him on a daily basis. Lord, I release increase. Expand his capacity. Expand his capacity. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now for Wonder Woman. <laughs> I heard these words, the wonder of it all, the wonderful, the wonder of it all. You never lost the wonder. You never lost the awe. And I feel like that this is going to be a season where the Lord says that I'm about to increase it on the generations to come. And I saw the Lord using you to stir up the stagnant. To stir those up that have just kind of become complacent and comfortable. And I saw the hand of the Lord just coming right now. And I saw the Lord giving you the anointing to turn hearts. There's a turning heart anointing right now. It's going to turn the hearts of fathers to children, children to fathers. There's about to be a Malachi miracle in Dallas. Come on, right now. I, I just receive it right now. There's about to be a Malachi miracle in Dallas. He's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. He's turning the children back to the fathers. Come on, if it'll happen, it'll drive out every curse. If it'll happen, cancer can't live in the, live in the city. If it'll happen, Ebola can't live in the city. If it'll happen, poverty can't live in the city. He'll, he'll break off the curse. Come on, there's a Malachi miracle coming right now. And the days that are ahead... Dallas is going to be voted two things. One of the world's most lovable cities and livable cities. It's livable and lovable. Come on, grab a hold of it for your city. If you live in Grapevine or something, grab a hold of it for I'm talking about the Metroplex right now. Come on, grab a hold of it. On. Today, the, the word of the Lord came. There's hope coming out of Texas. Yes. Father, I thank you right now. I heard the Lord say, you have appointments with destiny and moments with miracles. I'm going to use these hands to bring freedom. I'm going to use these hands to bring healing. Father, I thank you right now that, Lord, you're removing the fear factor. Lord, there is a fearlessness. There is a fearlessness coming upon her right now. And in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for the breakthrough and the breakout. Lord, fill her up to overflowing right now. In Jesus' name. saw people raising their hand around you and I saw you giving them permission to speak permission to ask questions because you weren't afraid to give the answers and I saw volumes on the inside of you 
Literally, I saw you devouring books. And I saw this scroll. I saw a scroll in heaven standing open, the seal being opened over you. And I feel like that this is a season that you're going to take and you're going to eat the scroll. Because the word of the Lord is sweet. And I saw you teaching the word. Not just words, not just doctrine, not just principles, but I saw power flowing out of you. The Lord says you're going to learn, you're going to not only learn, but you're going to then teach people how to press in for their miracle. And Lord, I just thank you right now, Lord, for the pleasure reading. It's just going to come, here's what I heard the Lord say. You're going to read the book, and then the book's going to read you. Lord, I thank you right now for this purity of heart. Lord, she like a Holy Spirit Toys R Us kid. Lord, I thank you right now for heavenly playgrounds on earth. Lord, I just thank you right now. Lord, it's running, running, running with you and never being weary. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for your daughter. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, she's, your, like, she's like your dancing queen. I felt like the Lord said there's always pep in your step. Always a song in your soul. And I just saw just the the Lord just beginning to declare things out of you. That word about Holy Spirit drive-bys, I saw you running with it. I, I release blessing in there. Aisle 7, I release miracles. I, I saw you, it's like you got this gift, you never met a stranger. And Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, for the words that are going to flow off our lips. That Lord, this is going to be a season that Lord, that you're about to activate the greater on the inside of her. Lord, I saw John 14. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And greater works will you do now that I go with my Father. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so, Lord, I thank you right now for the greater works that she's about to do. Lord, I thank you for the works of God, the acts of God that are about to be on display. In Jesus' name. Come on, will you give these, these people an amazing hand right now? Aren't you glad God still speaks? Come on, I'm glad that God still speaks. You're going to begin to take it and run with it. I saw you running barefooted. And I felt like the Lord said that this is going to be a season where you're going, to, you're going to feel the earth move under your feet. You're going to feel the power of every step. Here's what I heard the Lord say in addition to what I said to you earlier today. You walk in obedience. You came here when it didn't make sense. 
And over the last three or four years, there were days that you would say, all I had was the word of the Lord, but it's enough. All I had was the word of the Lord, and it's enough. All I had was the word of the Lord, and it's enough. Somebody in this room, there's Alzheimer's disease in your family tree. And you have this fear of somehow it's going to hit you. And there's a miracle for brains in this place right now. To just break, to break the curse and to remove the fear. In fact, there's sometimes you're kind of like, where is that? And you start thinking, oh, first thought is, am I losing my mind? I'm telling you right now, God's breaking it off of you. If I'm talking to you right now, I'd lift your hands up. I saw an 86-year-old lady last year in an Anglican church. She had Alzheimer's for 15 years and got completely healed during a moment. She's back living on her own. Just completely healed. And here's what I feel. Why do we tolerate what Jesus came to terminate? Why tolerate what Jesus came to terminate? He broke the curse. He broke the curse. He broke the curse. Lord, I thank you for miracle brains right now. Well, I thank you right now for the mind of Christ. Miracle brains. Come on, right now, I saw black spots being removed. Spots being removed. Come on, sometimes we just get in a hurry. Some of you, you're feeling like heat in your head. Come on, get your miracle. Lord, right now. Miracle brains. You got a whatever, whenever, however, wherever anointing. Whatever you need, whenever you need it, however I have to do it, doesn't matter if it's inconvenient. And you will choose the inconvenient thing so that somebody else can get the blessing. The Lord says that you are his willing one. You are his willing one. And the more God keeps trying to push you out front, you keep trying to go back. The more God tries to put you in the spotlight, you keep going to backstage. 
Before you were their daughter, you were my daughter. And I knew what I was doing when I put you in their family. And the Lord says, your calling and your position doesn't really have anything to do with them. It has everything to do with me. And you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of ministry. And that prophetic thing on the inside of you, it scares you a bit. Because you've seen the you've heard the accusations and you've seen the darts that got thrown at your folks, especially your and I'm just saying right now that there's fights you're not gonna have to fight because they're already won. And you're not gonna have to feel bad about it walking in the victory. I looked at your boots tonight. The Lord said, those boots weren't made for running. They were, they were meant for stomping and kicking. <laughs> I saw the enemy bat- battered and bruised. Every step, a black eye. Every step, a headache. The Lord says, you're like a heavenly jukebox. I saw all these downloads of songs in you. His favorite one is the one that you sing and nobody else is around. The Lord wants to give you a great gift in this next season. He's going to give you some me time. I saw just you and him time. You're going to call it me time. And I just saw the creativity of heaven just being released to you. And I just saw this avalanche. One thing after another, after another. We'll call you a Holy Spirit trigger point. I saw you like a master marksman. Holy Spirit sniper. You're a good shot. I heard the Lord say he's given you pinpoint prophetic accuracy. Call it out. Lord, all that I carry and more. I don't know why the Lord does this stuff to me, but I heard the Beatles... Some folks say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one. Don't take this the wrong way. Not saying anybody's put anything on you or you put anything on yourself. But I heard the Lord say that he gives you permission to say no sometimes. But sometimes you feel if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And I just feel like there's this freedom coming over you like never before. Or I'll take some of that word from me. I want the pick and choose anointing. (laughs) 
pressure is coming off of you. I heard the Lord say what he really loves about you is you don't perform. You refuse to be in the church fishbowl. You won't perform. And because you won't perform, he'll perform for you. They asked John Wimber and also John G. Lake this question, what's the success of your ministry? He said it wasn't in the becoming, it was in the being. You don't have to become, just be. Lord, right now, everything locked up, unlock it. You're going to have dreams in 3D. Heard that song out of Bethel. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make people come alive. You're a Holy Spirit awakener. Come on right now. Let God awaken you. You're still here and you're honest. You say, Dave, you caught me. I'm a Holy Spirit consumer. I don't want to be a consumer. I want to be consumed. No shame, no condemnation. That's you. Come on, let him touch you right now. Let him just change you. Let him just change you, rearrange you, transform you. Come on, we're in a distribution center of heaven. I don't want to consume. I want to be consumed. People ask me, Dave, how can you prophesy this long, speak this long? I'm consumed. He consumes me. See, I want it to be said and I want it to be written on me the day I die. He was a man possessed by the Holy Ghost. He was possessed by the Holy Spirit. Every moment of every hour of every day, he was consumed by God. Like my spiritual dad, I say it to you tonight, I can live without a lot of things, but I refuse to live without the presence of God. I refuse to live without him. Because without him, I'm just dead. But I break that consumer spirit off of the church, off of the city of Dallas right now. Consume us, God. But I thank you for building the canopy of praise, prayer, and worship over the city of Dallas. But I thank you right now. No destruction, nor tornadoes, no plagues. But I thank you that the drought is over. Come on right now. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, it's going to be a wet winter. Don't worry, there'll be some good Texas sunshine too. But I saw water tables just rising. Because next year is going to be a jubilee year. It's going to be a year 
to rest in. It's going to be a year of great harvest, reaping while you rest. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, what are you waiting for? What do you want to see between now and the end of the year? What do you want to see me do? I heard the Lord say, I've called this to be a city of champions. A city of champions, not because of football or baseball or basketball. A city of champions because of faith. And the Lord's releasing that overtaken anointing on this city. Overtaken by the glory, overtaken. While things are being shaken elsewhere, there's strength coming to this region. And the enemy's tried to hit you with his best shot, but he missed. And the Lord's breaking off that spirit of fear and death. Because this is going to be a city of life. And I saw the Lord just uniting. Been a part, a little bit of a movement here in the region. But I really feel like the Lord is getting ready to connect churches. To connect ministries. Come on, get consumed right now. Become fully committed right now. Tonight you're in this room. Come on, Jesus is here. Let him speak to you. I want a word from Dave. It's much better to get a word from Jesus. He's opening your ears right now. Opening your ears right now. Opening your ears right now. Not just to hear, but to understand. It's going to be a city of great understanding. Great understanding. Come on, Holy Spirit. Welcome in this place, Holy Spirit. Jesus, you rule and reign here. Not what I want, not what they want, not what we want, but what you want. Lord, right now, release the expectation of heaven. Release the expectation of heaven. you're uncomfortable in the silence, let him change you. There's some people, you've been offended by my message tonight. I didn't mean to offend you. 
but I'll just be honest with you. You're not offended at me. You're offended at you. Because what offends you reveals you. Ask me how I know. It's been many times God's offended my head to get to my heart. There's an anointing dropping on people right now in this room. You're not even going to want to, but you're going to offend the head to get to the heart. It's going to like shock people into reality. It's going to shock people into reality. Father, I just thank you for your amazing friend. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, today you're coming to him. Lord, I thank you for the season of victory. I woke up this morning to the song, Dream the Impossible Dream. I think it was Michael Jordan who said, Impossible is nothing and nothing is impossible. Jesus said, Nothing is impossible for those who believe. A couple years ago in a dream, the Lord handed me a Invitation. It's an invitation to invade the impossible. And I extend that invitation to you, son. And I stand in faith right now. And I speak life into you. I speak life into you into you I speak life into you I speak life into you I command every tumor to melt like wax cancer is just one cell in rebellion so you heard me say I had malaria and typhoid fever at the end of it they said I had leukemia And in a moment, God changed everything. And my death sentence became my life sentence. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, he's a liver of life. And you're a giver of life. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, even I saw his Make-A-Wish shirt. Lord, I just thank you right now. For new beginnings. There's a pastor in my city that his son was in a motorcycle accident, was ruled out, brain dead, broken bones. They wanted him to pull the plug, and he just said, It's not, I can't do it. It's not what God said. God said, He'll live and not die. He'll prophesy. And they argued with him, and they were trying to get him, and all of a sudden the Lord just said, Selah. And so he thought about it, and then he, went and looked it up and this is what it means 
When man puts a period and says it's over, God erases the period and puts in a comma because it's a to be continued. And I feel there's a to be continued anointing coming upon you. And Father, I've seen the dead raised, the blind see, the deaf hear. I've seen people healed of cancer. And Lord, you're no respecter of persons. Lord, I don't know what else to do but say I trust you and I believe you. Come on right now. Some of you need to start praying. Lord, I believe. Now help my unbelief. Come on, some of you right now, you need to say, God, help my unbelief. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, healing is the children's bread. So feed them the children's bread. My friend, you are such an inspiration to everybody. But Jesus wants you to know that he's your biggest fan. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, don't just remove the cancer, but Lord, I ask that, Lord, you would heal every effect of radiation, chemotherapy, all the drugs, all of those things. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, as I stand here, Lord, I don't feel death. I feel life. I don't feel fear. I feel faith. I don't feel despair. I feel hope. Lord, remove every pain. Lord, I thank you right now for joy unspeakable, full of glory. I heard the Lord say to tell you he heard you. God's not a mean God. He wouldn't play with your emotions. Sometimes you don't know what to believe. And I heard the Lord say, it's all right. And he's big enough when you go outside and you just want to yell at him. And the Lord says, I'm releasing a healing to you. I'm releasing healing to you. heard the Lord say to tell you, Father knows best. Your heavenly Father knows best. Ma'am, God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste one tear. He doesn't waste one prayer. And He wants you to keep asking and He wants you to keep expressing yourself. But like He said to Daniel, He's saying to you, I heard you the first time. And the answer's on the way. It's been held up a little longer than you like, but I heard you the first time. He's seen it, he's heard it, and he sent you. You're an amazing mama. You are so amazing. Sometimes you feel like you come to the end of your rope, but you haven't come to the end of hope. That's what I heard. The Lord said, hold on to hope because hope is holding on to you. (laughs) 
Hold on to hope because hope is holding on to you. Father, I thank you right now for this amazing one. Lord, I thank you right now for her healing hands. The Lord says that you're his sunshine. You got this way of just lighting up a room and making everybody happy. Lord, I thank you that, uh, Lord, she acts bigger than what she is. She acts older than what she is. You'd rather sit at the, at the adult table than the kid table. Because you're pretty smart. Wiser than your years. Lord, give her the desires of her heart. Lord, give her a song in her soul. A song for every season. Father, I thank you right now for this man of God. Lord, I thank you right now for just lifting the load of bricks off of his shoulders. Lord, I thank you right now that hope doesn't disappoint. I heard Jesus say to you, as my father spoke to me, I speak to you. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I saw just the peace of God coming. Philippians talks about and he'll give you the peace that passes all understanding. I heard somebody describe it one time. He said, sometimes in order to have the peace that passes all understanding, I got to give up my right to understand. I don't like giving up that right sometimes, but the peace on the other side of it's worth it. You're an amazing man. You're an amazing fixer. Sometimes you're frustrated because you said, I just don't know how to fix it. And I heard the Lord say, come on, let's do this together. The Lord's going to show you how. Lord, I just release right now the miracles of God, Lord, into this family. And so, Lord, I thank you. You said I could lay hands on the sick and they would recover Lord, in the Bible, prophets spoke healing and people were healed. So, Lord, I I speak right now healing into his body. I command every cell to line up with the word of God. Cancer markers decrease. Lord, I thank you right now those cancer-fighting cells are increasing. Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, you are boosting his immunity. Lord, you're giving him a new immunity. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, we trust you. We believe you. Lord, we say that you're good. And Lord, I thank you right now for, Lord, the overwhelming 
undoing power of God. Heard the words of the song, show me your glory. There's a part in the song that says, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. Lord, right now, tonight, we're not afraid. Because when we're in the presence of God, there's nothing to fear. Aren't you glad that he overcame? I would never serve a God who couldn't overpower me. He couldn't overpower me, he couldn't overpower my enemies. Lord, I thank you, you're bigger than cancer. Lord, you're bigger than poverty, you're bigger than diabetes, you're bigger than heart disease, you're bigger than my fear, you're bigger than my failure. Lord, fill each person tonight with hope and glory. Come on, fill each person tonight with hope and glory. Fill each person tonight with hope and glory. Father, I thank you for the one who holds up the wall. You just can't sit still. Lord, I thank you right now. Others may have called it one thing. Here's what the Lord calls it, expectation. You're positioned in the place of expectation. God has marked you. I see the tats in the natural. But God went up to you. He wrote your name on his heart. And I feel like there's an inscription in the heart of God for you. It's going to be a season of the suddenly. Things you've been waiting for suddenly going to come upon you. When I first saw you this morning, I kept hearing the Lord say, service with a smile. <laughs> I feel like there's an adjustment. Sometimes you, you're awake when you should be asleep, and sometimes you're asleep when you should be awake. The Lord brings you to a whole new world. Lord, I thank you right now for the things you're expediting to her, through her and for her. Jesus says that he's going to prove himself to you, not because he has to, but because he wants to. I just feel like God's about to put proof in your hands. Lord, I thank you right now Here's your cup of coffee with a side of healing. Here's your miracle muffin. It's going to clean you out. Here's what I'm serving, and here's a prophecy to go with it. Lord, I thank you right now for that prophetic grace that's getting ready to just bubble up on the inside of her like never before. You got that uh uh-oh anointing. (laughs) 
I just felt like the Lord said that that you're wound like a top. But God's about to cause some things to go into revolution. And what I felt was that this was a season where the Lord says, you're not a revolver, you're an automatic. There's an anointing of fully loaded. You're going to live fully loaded. And I just saw the Lord just popping corks. It's a season of celebration. The waiting is over. When, Lord, when? When, Lord, when? When, Lord, when? Let me give you a clue. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is. You're stepping into it. You're walking on sunshine. The Lord said he's jealous of you. He's jealous of time with you. And I feel like there's been, I heard the sound of vacuum cleaners. Some people just suck the life out of you. Spiritual vampires. And you get frustrated because you give them the best and they don't change. But God's about to give you people that are going to change. Because you, you've got a fruit of the Spirit that nobody ever wants. It's called long-suffering. And it doesn't mean you suffer long. It means take a deep breath. It's a sigh of relief. The Lord says you're a great disciple-maker. Lord, I thank you right now for the gift of mercy on the inside of her. You got an amazing mercy gift. Lord says he's given you the gift of mercy and the gift of compassion. Here's the good news about it. Whenever Jesus was moved by compassion, miracles always manifested. God's going to bring you through the Gospels. You're going to spend hours. And he was moved with great compassion. It's why you can't pass the guy on the corner or the girl on the corner with a sign. It's why you never have any spare change or extra dollar bills. Because every day you give everything away. You know, a song I heard over you, I give myself away. I give myself away. I give myself away. I heard the Lord say to tell you, you're not second best. Your first choice. I live for moments like this. This moment was worth airplane ride. The money away from my time, away from my family. Money spent on tickets. 
hours on my feet. I live for moments like this because you're that important. Honey, you're not insignificant. Your gift is not insignificant. It's not a lesser gift. breaking off low self-esteem. God sees something in you you don't see in yourself. You're a healing missionary. There's an anointing for street ministry. I saw you creating dramas, people acting it out in the streets. Every fear is leaving right now. Every fear is leaving right now. You're a spiritual compass to many people. Because you know the way. You've been frustrated because they don't listen, so they keep going around and around. But you know the way. You're like a Holy Spirit GPS. You got a memory. Show you once and you got it. Show you how to get somewhere once and you got it. Lord, I thank you for the sound of freedom. Here's what I want the Lord wants you to say. Free to be me. Come on, say it like you know. Free to be me. Free to be me. Somebody else, your freedom's connected to that word. Some of you right now, you're hearing the ditto of heaven. That's the word you need tonight. I'm free to be me. I heard Jesus say to tell you he likes you. That's good news because he has to love everybody. It's just the way it is. But some people he just really likes. You've taken your lumps. It's like God rang your bell a few times before you woke up. It's kind of like, I should have had a V8. Brother, as I looked at you, I just kept seeing drumsticks. Not chicken legs because I'm hungry. I'm talking drumsticks. And I I saw these drumsticks that were broken. And I said, Lord, what was that? And he said, it's called passion, son. And you've got this full-blown passion. 
It's like everything you do, it's, you like got Holy Spirit anointed ADHD. Because <laughs> as long as the Holy Spirit's flowing and growing and going, you're good. But if it's just talk, you zone it out. That's because there's a cry of the revelator on the inside of you. And there is revelatory rhythm that you're going to release. Sometimes people are going to be like, would you get on the beat with us? And you're going a completely different direction. Because you're in another world. Whoever plays with him, listen, he's got a breakthrough beat. And as annoying it is to the flow, when he releases the beat, people are going to get free. Like, I saw you playing chopsticks, pencils. Everything is. I have no rhythm. I'm white. I can't help it. There's an anointing on you. It's not just for fun. It's not just a gifting. There's an anointing on you. He's going to give you a ministry to rockers. He's going to give you a ministry to people that don't know how to behave in church. <laughs> Lord, give them the ones the churches reject. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. If you say you're sorry again, I'm going to come back there and smack you. St. Arbucks. Shandrama Satrava Sandravasa. Tonight you're empty and you want filled. If tonight you're empty and you want filled, you're here tonight and you've never prayed in tongues, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you want to, tonight's your night. If you want that gift and you've never had it before, it doesn't make you weird, it makes you wonderful. What I love about it is it frustrates the devil because he can't interpret it. It's just your heavenly language. Now you can go to heaven if you... Don't speak in tongues. But I say that being a Christian is like buying a pair of shoes. The tongues come with it. It's true. I want everything he has for me. 
When I first got saved, I woke up hungry. I was hungry for, I didn't even know what I was hungry for. One night I turned on the television and I watched this globe spinning around. A little Texas preacher preaching his guts out. He was preaching like this. How big is your want to? How big is your want to? How big is your want to? Papa Osteen, John Osteen. He was talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I said, I never heard of that before, but I want it. So I said, I don't even know where to get it. And I'll be honest with you, I thought Southern Baptists were charismatic because they clapped hands and had drums. So I couldn't wait for Wednesday night. I turned up at First Baptist of Sheboygan, Wisconsin, introduced myself to the pastor, said, I'm David Wagner. I just got raised from the dead a couple of weeks ago. I used to be schizophrenic. I used to be depressed. But Jesus set me free. Hallelujah. And tonight I'm here to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, whoa, 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 boy, not here. <laughs> and he sent me down to a real religious Pentecostal place. And the women didn't wear makeup, but they needed to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, didn't, I wasn't supposed to say that out loud. The men were mean. They looked like they were baptized in lemon juice. And so I just ran from there. Then I found this church, little church. Every day I had a noon hour prayer meeting. So for 30 days I went. I, I say, I, I want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I got blowed on, spit on, pushed on. I got stirred. I got shaken. I got pushed, I got knocked down, I got up again. For 30 days, nothing happened. And on the 31st day, I said, I ain't leaving until I get what I came for. I got knocked down, I got spit on, blowed on. People were trying to help the Holy Spirit. Just say it like this, sha-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, Toyota, Hyundai, Mitsubishi, keys to a Honda, shoot a mosquito, came in a Ford, left in a Chevy. Taco Bell, yo quiero Taco Bell. And I wouldn't fake it till I made it. So I just got in my truck, and I was going down Interstate 43, and I just said, Lord, I don't understand it, but I don't need to understand it to have it. All I know is what I read in the book, and it doesn't make sense to me, and I've been told my whole life it's not for today. But if it's for today and it's from you, Lord, I want everything you have for me. And all of a sudden, I just went, and it changed my life. Why? Because it was the infilling. It was this thing that began to expand my capacity. It, the Holy Spirit came alive on the inside of me. And all I know is if you ask for bread, he won't give you a stone. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I promise you, it doesn't make you weird, it makes you wonderful. But I have to speak in tongues. Paul said, I wish you all spoke in tongues. But even more, I, I wish you'd prophesy. And all I'm telling you is that I'm just being led by the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you never spoke in tongues, never received your prayer language, but you want it tonight. How hungry are you? 
If I'm talking to you, I'd get out of your seat and just come to the front right here. Don't care if it's one, don't care if it's 20. I want everything he has for me. I want to live filled up. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, fill your sons and daughters. 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 I'm going to lay my hands on you when I do. I'm going to give you some instructions. Don't speak in English. Don't say hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, glory to God, because you can't speak in two languages at the same time. Secondly, I want you to open your mouth because you can't speak without opening your mouth. Third, I want you to take a deep breath because you can't speak without taking a breath. Third, just let your tongue be loose. It's not going to come from your head. It's going to come from your spirit. Maybe one symbol will sound, one syllable will sound, but when it comes, just let it out. And it's going to be like a string on a sweater. The more you pull, the more you get. It's for you. Lord, just give yourself to him right now. Just pray that dangerous prayer. Lord, I want everything you have for me. I empty myself of me. But I command all religious mindsets to leave. All rebellion, all fleshly things, I command it to be lifted to go. Holy Spirit, fill me with your Holy Spirit and power. Acts says that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Paul told Timothy, or Paul was in Acts chapter 19, he came across a bunch of Baptist folks. He said, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, what's that? He said, what do you believe? What have you been baptized? They said, we received John's baptism. They were baptized in water. And he laid hands on them, and they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. And right now, tonight, God's going to release to you the gift of tongues. And I'm going to release to you the gift of prophecy. It's just going to begin to flow out of you like never before. You receive this the same way you got saved. You believe and you receive. We make it too hard. We make it too difficult. But it's easy as just breathing him in and breathing him out. Well, you're baptizing the Holy Spirit in this room. Just begin to pray in tongues right now. If you're not baptizing in the Holy Spirit and, and you still want this and you're not out of your seat yet, I'd, I'd hurry up down here right now. Holy Spirit. Lord, fill her up to overflowing right now. Fill her up to overflowing right now. Take a deep breath. Open your mouth, just begin to let it out. Not coming from your head.
Friends come from your spirit. Bubbling up on the inside of you right now. It's a free gift. Just receive it. Just receive it. Just receive it. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for my brother. Lord, I just release right now. Lord, release the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, right now. Even though it tarries, wait for it. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, fresh infilling. He won't pass you by. He won't pass you by. Fill her up to overflowing. 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 Let the overflow of heaven, the overflow of heaven. I need some people to help me right now. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, come on, let's pray them through. Just pray them through right now. Takes a little time, so what? Fill them up to overflowing. 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 Shandarama, Sandarama, Hallelujah, Jesus, Hallelujah, Jesus, Shandarama, Sitrava, Kundrama, Sandarama. Come on, if you're empty in this place, it'd be a good night to get filled up again. Lord, activate. Or where some people even just let the gift go, they let it die, they let it quiet. Lord, I ask right now that you would rev it up in them again. Lord, there's a couple of people, they were afraid. It happened to them a few years ago, but they were afraid, and they quench it. They shut it down. But Lord, I thank you for opening it up again. Opening the gift up again. Opening the gift up again. In Jesus' name. Just receive it right now. Just receive it right now. Shantaramasi, Tramasandramasi, 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 T
Is the is the uh, is the little girl the the young lady that was on the violin this morning? Is she is she here? She left. Is anybody recording this somewhere? Okay. And what's her name? Do you know? Leah. Leah. Father, I just thank you for Leah, and uh, Leah is. If you listen to this, as you were up there this morning with the violin, I heard the Lord say that he's putting his heartstrings in your hands. And I saw as you would play and as you would worship, I saw you pulling on the strings of the Father's heart. And I feel like the Lord says you're going to touch him for many. That as you touch him in worship, it's going to be like the woman with the issue of blood who touched the hem of his garment and suddenly healing came. You're going to carry that suddenly healing sound. And I just felt like the Lord said that this is going to be the season of growing into the gift. And more than playing professionally or by chord or sheet music, I saw you playing by the Spirit. And I saw Jesus playing His violin with you. And I believe you're going to begin to have a sound. You're going to begin to release a sound in your generation like never before. And just when I saw you this morning, I just saw the purity of heart that you carried. And I just felt like there was a boldness ready to step into everything that God has for you. So Lord, I just thank you right now for your angel. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, for the gift on the inside of her. Lord, let it explode. Let it explode. Let it come forth. Let it come into the fullness of calling in Jesus' name. Come on, those of you right now, baptized, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on, just begin to take a deep breath. Come on, begin to let it roll. Begin to let it flow out of you like never before. But I thank you that, Lord, every hindrance is being removed. Every fear is being broken. Lord, right now. Lord, just let the Holy Spirit empower, just consume them, flow over them like never before. See, it's much more fun when we do it together. Come on, everybody needs their first time. Everybody needs an experience with God. 
I was in a Presbyterian church in Korea in February, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fell, and 150 people started speaking to the Holy Spirit all at once. I was in a congregational church in Connecticut, and all of a sudden, all at once, 75 unassuming, unexpecting people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, overflow, 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 overflow. Overflow. Come on, don't get weary in it. Don't get tired of waiting. The Holy Spirit's already in you. Come on right now. He wants to give you the fullness of the manifestation. In Jesus' name. Father, right now, Lord, just do it. Lord, just fill this place like never before. If you're here tonight and you have never received a prophetic word, I'm not talking about today, you've never received a prophetic word in your life, but you'd want one, I want you to come and I just want you to stand right here in front of me. I've never received a prophetic word. Spirit fall in this place. Fall in this place. You're willing and you're able, Jesus. on, just begin to practice. Maybe one or two symbols. Father, I just thank you for Andrea. Lord, I thank you there's no distance in the spirit. 
Lord, you're the same God in this room as you are where she is. And so, Lord, right now, Lord, I send your word. Lord, you sent your word and healed our diseases. And, Lord, I thank you right now that she's your beautiful daughter. And, Andrea, I felt like the Lord said that he's bringing you to the end of the blame game where you blamed yourself for things that weren't your fault. And I saw the Lord removing the blame and removing the shame. And I saw the Lord coming tonight. I saw him breaking every chain. And I just felt like the Lord said that he's about to replace it with peace and with joy. And I saw just the Lord invading your relationships and invading your circumstances. And where you stopped, God is about to intervene and push you forward. And I saw the Lord bringing you to the place, uh, bringing you into the place of joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I saw just pressure coming off of you where you've been in the pressure cooker, even personally. And I saw the Lord just taking that weight off of your shoulders. And I saw garments of God coming upon you. And uh, you know the Lord, you love the Lord, but it's kind of like sometimes you feel He's far away. And I saw the Lord just closing in on you. You're going to feel the breath of God even as you listen to this recording. And I believe God's about to breathe on you, Andrea. I just declare over you right now, Lord, just like this morning, you set people free from oppression and depression and self-destruction. And so, Lord, you're doing the same thing right now in Andrea's life. Lord, I ask that, Lord, you would fill her with your Holy Spirit and power right now. That you would empower her to overcome. Lord, I thank you. I just saw Psalm 139. If you get a chance, Andrea, read it. It says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're about to see the beauty of the Lord. You're about to see that anointing rise and come upon you. You're not defeated. You're victorious. You're not depressed. You're joyful. And Lord, right now, I just thank you for the glory of the Lord rising upon her. Lord, I thank you for the new day, the new way, the new day and the new way. And Andrea, I just believe that this is the season where the Lord's given you a passport to the world, a passport to travel. And I feel like that this is a season where things that were held back, the Lord's cutting red tape and things are about to be approved. And I just felt like the Lord was about to feed you angel food. I saw the Lord coming and feeding your soul, feeding your spirit, feeding your heart. And the days of disappointment are coming to an end. The days of joy are coming upon you. I saw the Lord just putting a hedge of protection around you. I saw just the hedge of protection around you. No fear, no worry. Lord, right now, I speak life into Andrea. Lord, I thank you for divine relationships. Holy Spirit, anointed, appointed relationships, God. Lord, bless this young woman. Lord, we send the word from here to where she is. Lord, today, I prophesy it's the day of the turnaround, that everything is changing. Lord, you gave me the word this morning, carefree and worry-free carefree and fear-free. So, Lord, I just release that right now. I release it right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, I just thank you for Mike. And uh, what I saw, brother, was I saw the Lord uh, with like one of those fire ladders, like from a skyscraper in a big apartment building in like New York, and it comes down so people can escape the fire. And what I saw was while other people were going down, you were going up because you were running into the fire. And I felt like the Lord said that, son, this is a season where you've been tried by fire. And I brought you forth as pure gold. And while other people were preaching fluff and stuff, you were contending and believing for the Holy Spirit to breathe on every word that came from your mouth. The Lord says that this is going to be a season where you're going to begin to even outgrow your faith. You've had faith for one thing, but God is about to completely expand it. And I felt like the Lord said He's about to take you from faith to faith and glory to glory. And God's given you the anointing to stand. And I, I just saw the Lord giving you an anointing to break off and cut off the heads of Jezebel spirits. There's an anointing of authority that when you walk into a place, you can say, enough is enough. And I felt like the Lord said, it's not by accident that He's located you, planted you where He's put you. Because, Son, I've anointed you. I've anointed you to release not only the blessings of heaven, but I've anointed you to release the miracles of heaven. And I feel like that this is the season where God's about to begin to bring you into that place of creative miracles. Creative, in, uh, creative miracles, prophetic insight. I kept hearing the Lord say, help is on the way. Reinforcements are on the way. Because it's like, Lord, I've taken it as far as I can take it. And I, thought, I feel like you've been at this, this place where you've hit kind of this plateau. You've hit this mark. And it's kind of almost too much for you. And I saw Aaron's and Ur's coming underneath you and holding up your arms. And I heard the Lord say that I'm going to give you a strategy about church planting. Because your desire is not to build a mega church. It's to build many churches. And I saw the Lord putting many churches on the inside of you. And the Lord says that He's sending the laborers and He's sending the workers. He's sending those that are already trained. And He's also sending those that are coming with no strings attached. No expectations of what they can get. Just filled with expectation of what they can give. And I just feel like the Lord is about to push you over the edge. And where you thought you were stuck or stopped, there's a new momentum that's coming. And I feel like there's an assignment for you in this next season, and that's just to stay in the face of God. And I feel like that at times as you're preparing a message, it's like you're going to go about 16 different directions. And I saw the Lord giving you thousands of messages you'll never preach. But I also heard you preaching a thousand messages you never prepared. God's assigned you to the God breed and to the God breathed. And I felt like the Lord said, He's going to give you what other people have been afraid of. 
God's going to give you people that are going to seem like they're more gifted than you. But they're teachable, they're trainable, and they're loyal. And they're going to be a sign of your success. My sons in the Lord are going farther than me, faster than me, and greater with me. And I saw the Lord giving you an olive branch in one hand and a sword in the other. I saw you making peace among churches. There's an anointing on you that says, come, let us reason together. God's going to give you a word in Revelation about the table of the Lord. I kept hearing, since I put my hand on your shoulders, you're going to bring people to the table. What I saw wasn't just the dinner table, the fellowship table, the pastor's meeting table. It was the Lord's table. And I saw you bringing people into communion. And I felt like the Lord said, because you stood when it would have been easier to sit. Because you ran when it had been easier to crawl. Because you kept believing when it would have been easier to just say, this is it. The Lord says that I'm about to release rapid growth and development. The Lord says that what He honors and loves about you is this. You're not interested in numbers. You're interested in names. And I felt, I felt like the Lord said He's anointing you. He's preparing you. He's sending you healthy families. He's sending you healthy families. I just kept seeing the Lord giving you like a, it's a family-friendly church. It's a place where kids can be raised up in the things of God. It's a place where non-believers will feel welcome. And they'll come in one way and they'll leave completely changed. The Lord said He's going to do you a favor and not give you any spiritual retreads or recycled Christians. He's going to protect you from the spiritual plague of frogs, church hoppers. Because as soon as you've seen them, as soon as they hopped in, they hopped out. And I heard the Lord say, thanks for building my way, not your way. You've been open to adjustment. See, many people have tried to build on the show. The problem with building on the show is somebody with a bigger show can show them out. Some people have tried to scare them in, but the problem with that is somebody scarier than them can scare them out. But when you love them in, somebody's going to have to love them a whole lot more to love them out. And just as soon as I saw you, I just felt this brotherhood in the spirit. Then you said Jeff's name, and I knew it was true. God's about to put prophets around you. Prophets that will profit you, not prophets for profit. Prophets that will come and will release words in the foundations of your place and to your life and to your leaders. And they'll come not for an offering, but they'll come as an offering. And I just really feel like that this is a season of great development for you. And I felt like the Lord said, you've not seen anything yet compared to what you're about to see throughout the remainder of this year. Lord, right now, 
just fall upon my friend, fall upon my Lord with just the breath of heaven. Some people look for the crowd, some people follow the crowd, but you're going to be a man of the cloud. Lord, I thank you for the cloud of presence. And Lord, I thank you right now that his family will never be a casualty of ministry. I just kept tasting honey and sugar and cookies and cakes in my mouth. And I heard the Lord say that ministry will never have a bad taste in your family's mouth. Because you got things prioritized. I don't know what kind of media you do. But God's given you a voice for radio. And he's given you a glow on your face for television. You don't have to go out and spend thousands of dollars on it. I feel like God's about to, God's about to expose you because you've been staying hidden. There's a word in you in a season. I heard the Lord say that you're a uniter. That you unite hearts. And you don't compete because you know you complete. You got a completion piece, my brother. You're going to feel it. You're going to walk in a room and slowly you're going to feel walls come down. Because you got the peace. But you also got the sword. And all I can say is I'd rather be a friend on your side than an enemy on the other side. Because you're going to be good with the sword. Lord, I thank you for the sword of the Lord. Lord, I thank you that he knows lordship. And Lord, I ask right now that you just breathe refreshing and renewal upon him. Lord, every dry place, saturate it. Lord, I thank you right now that you're going to fill his life and his ministry and his house with awe and wonder.